My name is Matt Brown. And you can't play this quarterback. He can't play. Get it? And let's start the show. Do you realize how much pressure there was on you today from the Swifties to get Travis Kelsey a touchdown with Taylor in the house today? Yeah, I heard that. I heard she was in the house. Uh, Did you feel it? Did you feel the pressure, Patrick? I I felt a little bit of pressure. um, And so I knew I had to get it to Travis. And of course, he's on a route that Travis, he he does his own thing and just makes up a route and I throw it to him. So uh, I think he wanted to get in the end zone just as much as uh, all the Swifties wanted him to. Start from deep and you score. You Stephen Curry, my brother. You might be the new Steph of football. That's dope. I can't even lie. I think I want to see someone shoot at somebody else. The NFL, we up right now. What's going on, everybody? The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, September 27th, 2023, and we are going to start your second half of the week with nothing but stellar content and nothing but quality podcasts. So we will focus on week three in the NFL, look ahead to the weekend in week four, and it's... It is crazy. Nothing is making sense in the National Football League. But before we get into all of that, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all our social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, X and Twitter at Prod Combo Pod. And we are on TikTok at Productive Conversations and Facebook at Productive Conversations. So as I just mentioned, nothing is making sense in the NFL. I know the week three matchups weren't promising whatsoever, yet it turned into a week where there's a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, Taylor Swift is the biggest star in the NFL, and we know why. So... Her presence in a blowout between the Chiefs and the Bears was quite the talking point around the country. So you know that this particular show, especially this year, has a very big fascination with Taylor Swift. And we've talked about her a lot. We had a Taylor Swift podcast all dedicated to her. And we've mentioned her a lot on the tweet cap, and we're going to continue to mention her throughout time. And now that I'm combining what would be a tweet cap story into one of my sports shows, it's quite funny to see how that all unfolds. And speaking with a whole new crew on that, we will get into it. And there was a game, and the Bears look like they're the worst team in football once again, and Justin Fields is not it. And the Chiefs are just riding by. So we'll get into that. Obviously, Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. I will wait for you to hear what we all have to say there, especially me. But I cannot believe there are adults running that organization and trying to fool their fan base and any football fan to actually tell us that this guy is not the major problem. We will get more in depth with that, but my goodness, the Jets are turning into a true disaster. And of course, it was bound to happen after Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. But the fact that it's week three and it's turning into this hostile environment talking about the Jets, we will get into that in this show. 
the Dolphins are proving that they might be the best team in the AFC. Definitely the best offense in the league. That strong running back by committee. Tua Tunga Viola. Mike McDaniel will finally get the fouls he deserves as a great offensive mind in putting this team together. And they're only gonna and they're only going to improve. Don't forget Jalen Ramsey's coming back. So we'll talk about the Dolphins. The Giants fell short against San Francisco, but we didn't really have expectations going into that. Jalen Ramsey and the Eagles just keep on rolling as a top NFC team. The Bengals finally got their first win. The Bills look like they're back to form. The Browns got a good victory. So much to talk about. And haha, the Cowboys lost. And we will get all into that with a great crew tonight. So Alex Ranelio, Hayden Nadler, and we will have a lot of fun with that. So let's get to it. Alex and Hayden, it's your guys' turn. Let's talk about week three and look ahead to week four in the National Football League. Here we go. Matt from Norwalk. Let's see. Matt Brown wants to know. This is a very productive conversation. Taylor Swift was the biggest store in the NFL this week. But don't worry, there were a bunch of other games as well. Week three was pretty intense. I mean, nothing's making sense in this world. Obviously, high-profile relationships are taking over. We have insane blowouts. We have coaches who straight up don't want to win. And a lot of other things that are happening in this amazing league. So week three, the NFL is going to be discussed right now. And we look ahead to week four. Hayden and Alex, now you join me. What's up, gentlemen? What up? How are you? What up, Matt? Happy to be back. All right. I'm happy to be back as well. So as I mentioned, let us talk about what happened this week. First things first, before we get into the relationship everybody wants to talk about, there is even one story I even think overthrows that specifically in the NFL. Then Hayden, get ready. Because we had the New York Jets play the New England Patriots. The Pats win by a score of 15 to 10. And this game, in the rain, at the Meadowlands, we see Zach Wilson, who I admit I am a part of this, is the punching bag for every football fan in the world right now. And he is making his case on showing why he is such a big mistake. And for some reason, and whether it is optics, whether it is to uh, save each other's asses and languages. The Jets, for some reason, give a vote of confidence for Zach Wilson. And everybody sees that this guy cannot play quarterback. Yet, they still put him out there. And I understand. Believe me, there are not a lot of options out there. But the fact that this quarterback is still holding on to the ball too long, this guy is sacking himself, this guy is throwing to the knees, this guy will show his arm strength for one Hail Mary, but he clearly is showing, and the stats show, that he is not an NFL quarterback. And with that, let me toss it to Hayden, who has the more personal connection to this, and tell us your reaction to Zach Wilson's performance in Week 3. I mean, I can't really get mad at him. She should have never been in this position. She should not have been drafted number two. Um, They should have had a better backup plan besides Aaron Rodgers. This is all on management. This is all from... The organization itself, um, it's just infuriating. And, you know, what what more do you have to do as as a general manager to 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 you know get Cam? Like I I don't really know. You guys twenty like I say it every week, but it's the same thing. The guy's twenty one and forty eight. Um he's missed on twenty twenty draft. He was he had a 
2020 draft was a bust completely. 2021 draft, honestly, besides Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore isn't playing anymore. 2022, we got two consensus picks. You completely screwed up the quarterback with Rodgers. You've been saying for five years, five years, this guy's supposedly an offensive line guru. They still don't have a line. So five years, we've been trying to fix it. And, you know, he completely messed up Darnold, too. He said he was going to, when they got the job, the Jets, he said, I'm going to protect Sam. I'm going to do whatever I can. He said that to his parents. Clearly did a great job protecting him. Uh, he was gone after a year. I mean, like, what more do you have to do? Like, I'm sorry. You signed Dalvin Cook, who looks like he's running in quicksand, if, I can, if I'm not mistaken. He's averaging about, like, two or three yards a carry right mm-hmm. now. He's just been horrendous. 2.25. Their, their line is just awful. Like, I'm literally going to give you an analysis of Doc Wilson in comparison even to the other quarterbacks the Jets have drafted, which has failed, okay? He doesn't have the leadership even Sam Darnold has, and Sam Darnold wasn't exactly a great leader. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have the arm strength even Geno has. doesn't have the pocket presence or mechanics that Mark Sanchez had. These are all quarterbacks who were considered not good enough, and Jets bust, and he's significantly worse than all of them. He makes them look like Tom Brady and Joe Montana combined. And I'm yep. not even saying this like, listen, maybe Zach Wilson can find it like Gino did down the line in the next couple of years where he has a better chance and a better system, not New York. Maybe that that is true. Maybe. Maybe he needs to reset and be a backup quarterback. Like you saw Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert, for example, was a bust on the Jaguars. Goes to goes to um, have a 13-year NFL career where he backs up Brady, wins a Super Bowl, plays a little bit in San Francisco, revitalizes his career, and stays in the league for 13 years. So, like, maybe Zach Wilson could be in a, in a quarterback, a backup quarterback for another team. But his years as a starter are finished beyond belief. And it's just un- – and it's also, you know, for all the hype that the defense gets – and I understand the defense only gave up 13 points in the game. That the safety was two points, so they, they ended up losing 15 to 10. The defense only gave up 13 mm-hmm. points. But, like, the defense does not do enough to generate pressure or make game-changing plays. Like, it's a very good defense in terms of keeping the team – keeping the uh, – opposition off the scoreboard but when you have an offense that is so offensively challenged like like beyond i i haven't seen an offense this offensively challenged ever in my in my years as a jet fan and i saw and i've been through sanchez i've been through gino and i've been through darnold this is probably as bad as it gets you need to have a defense that can constantly pressure the quarterback you need to have a defense that can get a takeaway like they had no takeaways and no sacks they have yeah. I, I didn't think they and the patriots were asking for them to get defeated. The rest were helping them out. I mean, Mac the, Jones played terrible. I mean, and they still could have figured Mac it out. Mac Jones was not great. Um, you know, and by the way, we'll talk about Mac Jones. He's a dirty player, by the way. I mean, he. Oh, yeah. I he, saw that complication that he, went out. He's a dirty player. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But like, you could see even Mac Jones can, you know, push the ball down the field. He looks like a, an, at least an NFL quarterback. Like, Matt, Zach Wilson doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. And it wasn't all on him. That's true. But like, at the end of the game, when you have, like, he thinks he could beat Tyler Conklin for a check down, which is fine. But, like, on a fourth and ten, he has to make one guy miss. Well, Tyler Conklin's not a fast guy. This isn't like throwing it to Tyreek Hill and expecting him to beat one guy. Like, come on, yeah. bro. And, like, he doesn't utilize his, like, he has all this yards to run. Like, tons of yards to run where he could at least slide, make a play. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the play calling was good because it wasn't. It, the play calling's been terrible. Daniel um, Hack is not be there a little bit, and you know he's good in a hurry. He's a little better in a hurry up offense than he is on under under center, where he just where he's on the huddle. Like you need to run like almost a hurry up offense. Like I'm saying, like let's go, let's go, let's go. And then they started to move the ball a little bit. So maybe we need a little bit more hurry up. 
Um, maybe we, I, I think we need some more end arounds. We need to use McCole Hardman, who magically they paid for and doesn't see the field. Like every other player they get, never sees the field. I think you saw one snap in the game, McCole Hardman. What about Will McDonald, too, your first round draft another, another one of Douglas's fine selections. Another one. Doesn't see the field ever. I could go on and on about how terrible the selections Douglas has been made. I could go on and on. But he signs these free agents who they don't even play. And Dalvin Cook, I mean, you overpaid for a guy who, like I said, is in quicksand. I mean, it's unbelievable how slow he is running in the field. Am I wrong on that, Alex? Am I wrong on that, Matt? Like, you, you guys watch the game. Like, it just, I mean, it's just unbelievably bad. And, I think- you know, it, it's just frustrating. You know, they're going to say the right things. They're not going to publicly, you know, lambast their teammate, throw him under the bus, which they shouldn't do. I, I wouldn't expect them to do that. Um, That's no. not what a teammate does because the guy is still is your teammate. You got to look at him like – Personally, like I get on a professional level, you wouldn't want to do that to a, to a professional. Like I, I understand that. And Sal is basically saying he's our guy because he's basically being pressured by Douglas and ownership. So that, that's the optics of it, the situation. Okay, yeah. let's let's be honest can't with you there. play this quarterback. Right. He can't yeah. play. I mean, that's yeah, all that's my analysis favorite. on the game. I'm not talking about <laughs> Zach Wilson anymore. I'm tired of hearing about Joe Namath who got his legacy off one game. He has 172 Hundred, he has almost almost fifty more picks in his entire career than he does touchdowns. Guy threw one hundred and seventy two touchdowns and I want to say two hundred and twenty interceptions. And you know he also he also um you know he got his legacy off one game. Like his stats were were terrible. Respectfully, even in the seventies and eighties, the, the the guy's numbers were terrible. I don't want to hear about him anymore. He has a lifetime career completion percentage of fifty point one. Yeah, and he has one hundred and seventy three yeah. touchdowns two hundred and twenty picks. So, like, I don't want to keep hearing about this guy. He has his legacy off one game. Just shut your mouth and be quiet, okay? Your opinion means nothing. You're 50 years ago. I don't give a shit that you won a Super Bowl 50 years ago that I have to keep hearing about all the time because our team can't win one. I've heard about that every single year for the last 20 years I've been a fan. I don't want to hear about him anymore. I, I just, I don't. I don't want to hear him. I don't. Shut up. Just shut up, don't name him. Please. Go back don't to I have to say about this game. I don't have enough time for this crap. I mean, I well, think fans are going to start throwing stuff on the field next week. I'm going to be there. I mean, someones they, they're going to start throwing <laughs> stuff on the field, or there's going to be a a, a fire someone chant, or you, gotta, you know, you got to stop. Might, might be both. Might be both. I hope you I hope you take a hot dog and throw it on the damn field. Yeah, I mean, hey, I mean, Zach Wilson is uh is is, ca- is causing people to break relationships. There's yeah. one man. Yeah. I know. I never. I I, I can't. I. I don't know your pain. I mean, I've, I've, my teams are bad, but uh, this is this is weird. And it's just, you know, having these adults, you know, run these organizations and playing us like fiddles. And again, I, that's why I say I know the optics. And this is the point where the Jets are a corporation at this point where they can't shoot them down. But it's just I, I think we have said everything we can say on Zach Wilson. Yeah, 100 percent. The only other thing I could say is just Robert Sala, who's going down on the ship with him. And you're right. There's not much else we can add with besides um us to besides just saying that he is just saying what he has to. I don't know behind the scenes if he is uh really saying what he has to say, but it's just um it's just unfortunate, and it's it's just as big of a mess as it goes. I know it's week three, but it feels like um, it already feels like week sixteen for for the Jets. I was over in the first week of the season, so 
And yeah, there's going to be a long time till Aaron Rodgers comes back. It, it is. We literally have 12 months until you could try again. And at that point, is there a new head coach? Is there what? But the thing is, as long as the fans get mad and your season ticket holders don't show up and you sell those tickets to the opposing team, then maybe Woody Johnson will do his due diligence and try again and find somebody else who could do it, whether it's the GM or the head coach. And it really shows one decision in your life can change everything. And Joe Douglas choosing Zach Wilson at two. And I always say the joke, I really think they picked him because of that one viral clip of that long throw in his combine. But yeah, I know. It's, um, there's nothing else you could say. It's just really a waiting game at this point before we just keep complaining and complaining and complaining. You were saying, Alex? No, no, we're good. Let's, let's hit the next one. <laughs> yes, and uh, the Patriots are one and two. Mac Jones is a dirty player, and he's got to stop hitting people in the private parts. Um, and he's got to stop holding on to things. Be honest with you, they, they did a good job running the ball versus the Jets. Yeah, I'll give that. They ran. Right. I want to say they, they ran for over 100 yards in that game. So I understand if you guys are annoyed about this subject, but it does have to be brought up. The Chiefs and the Bears played a game on Sunday. The score is 41 to 10. And there is a lot to talk about the Bears and the Chiefs, but we do have to mention that the big story was that Taylor Swift was in a suite watching her boo, boyfriend, something, and she was cheering on Travis Kelsey. And this one situation leads to the highest rated game in years, highest regular season game in years. This leads to a 400% increase in Travis Kelsey sales. This leads uh, to Jersey sales. This leads to everybody talking about this story that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are something we don't know. They're hanging out. They're at the level where she can go to the, um, where she can sit on a suite with, Travis Kelsey's mom and conveniently they are playing a team that really are in disarray all over the place with the bears on the field, off the field. I mean, it's bad. Like it's, I know the jets are a mess, but the bears really are like, Oh, the bears are even worse. That's, and that's saying something. So (laughs) chiefs took advantage of that. Chiefs are being chiefs. I think the more of the stories is the bears actually, but I have to ask your guys opinion with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And to spin this a little differently, do you think this is a distraction for the Chiefs' season? Um, no, I don't. You don't think so? No. I think it's a um, huge they, distraction. They, they, they're, they're focusing they're, they're, more they're, on they're that. They're good enough where it really, in my opinion, doesn't work. No, they're pretty, you have the best quarterback in the league. If they can't focus you know, with Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey, <laughs> there are bigger problems there. They're, they're professional. That is true. Yeah, they're professionals. She's just a whore. She's probably just uh, there to get, kind of get run train on and uh, sell some jerseys. So um, she'll be out of the picture in a few weeks. And that's another question I have. Do you think this is going to last? Let's say, will this last until Thanksgiving? No, no I think no. this is going to last for a while. I don't, agree with, I don't agree with you guys on that. No, she's, she's a narcissist and so is he. They'll probably part ways in a few weeks. So we see this as a high-profile situationship. I don't. I don't really know about that. Um, I actually think it could last. So, Haiti, you um, see, maybe this is love. I mean, yeah, if, yeah, if it really is, it's pretty. It's really hard. There actually could be something behind it. <laughs> I want to talk about the game. <laughs> Max, and we'll get to that really quick. But you know, all I will say 
and maybe this is a story for the tweet cap on Thursday, but um, sorry, on Friday. So this might be just a tweet cap story on Friday, but I think people will focus more on the relationship as the weeks go on until it ends. Whether somebody gets bored with somebody else, I don't know. But if they are trying to establish something, it is definitely really hard to have the entire world on your shoulder like that. It's already hard enough to try to establish something when um, nobody cares. But um, we'll see how this story progresses. But on the game itself, Chiefs playing great offense. Um, The Bears, though, the big thing to take away is, one, Justin Fields is a bust. You know, we said it last week. We made a clip on it. And it didn't help against the Chiefs that – Things looked even worse. And again, leaving people open, getting sacked. And he just, he's similarly like a Zach Wilson. It doesn't seem like the guy has any confidence playing in the uh, next level. Well, I, I still I still disagree with that premise. I, I'm not the biggest um, Justin Fields defender, but I've said, certainly talked enough shit about Ohio State quarterbacks in years past. But um, like CJ Stroud, we'll, we'll get into. But I, but no, but I think this coaching staff and this this organization is continuing to fail them. I don't think that they have any uh, roster to speak of, any semblance of an offense to speak of, and for him to you know have twenty two possessions in, I mean twenty two snaps in his own hands to make a play, I just think is unfair and unjust. And I'm not the one playing victim here for him, but it's just, you look down the roster, there's really no one to really speak of outside of DJ Moore. And even him, he's on the back nine of his career. So when you have a defense that's out there for 36 minutes, they're going to be exhausted. You're basically, you're setting him up for a shootout that he can't win. So he has to win a certain way with the offenses he has, and he can't continue to keep inheriting a tired defense. So, And yeah, Iberfus is the worst. I'll add on to that a little bit. I mean, they're on right now 13-game losing streak in which they've allowed 25 points or more in every single game. In yeah. the NFL, in the pros. Their, their defense is absolutely horrific. Um, yeah. I mean, it's one, of, it's one of the worst units I've seen in a very long time. But um, that being said, like, I, I don't necessarily believe it's all on Justin Fields. I think he's an athletic quarterback. He's, he's a running – he's a mm-hmm. great running quarterback. As you could tell, he had the most rushing yards in, in a single season from – his first year ever in his uh, last season, the most rushing yards for a quarterback ever in a single season. So there's definitely a lot of talent there. Um, I think as a passer, his footwork and mechanics definitely need to be improved. Um, but definitely, I think there's some talent there. I wouldn't say he's like the least talented quarterback I've ever seen play in the NFL. I would not say that. I think he needs the right coaching. Maybe he needs, and he definitely needs a different offensive system. Um, I think this year the Bears could, the Bears probably going to end up cleaning house. Like their, their GM probably is going to get gone. Uh, Matt, who's a defensive guy, uh, um, he's probably going to be gone. So they're going to be probably cleaning house, and then maybe clean house with the quarterback too. Um, just a sad situation, all, but that's that's a that's a really really bad team. Like they're they're brutal. Uh, I want to next week, next week we get the, the the great fortune of seeing the Bears Broncos. You know that should be a. Oh my oh. God. That's the. <laughs> I can smell that through my TV screen. I want to. I want to. And then the following week, we get the the Broncos versus Zach Wilson and the Jets. So the Broncos may be lucky because they probably have two of the worst offenses in the league coming up. Um, so hopefully, you know, Sean Payton actually can can do something. You know, instead of run his mouth like he's been doing it and 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 produce nothing in return. But that's for the next game we'll talk about. But in terms of the Bears, they're they're a dumpster fire right now. They are just absolutely terrible. Terrible. 
uh, I want to ask Matt a very simple hypothetical. Um, you swap Justin Fields for Jalen Hurts. Does he look this bad in an Eagles uniform? I think Jalen Hurts plays much better. Um, you know, the guys continuing his that wasn't any type question. touching. So, well, like, so, like, does Justin Fields look as bad right now if he was in an Eagles uniform? No, probably not. I'm sure he, with those weapons and better protection, Justin Fields is able to prosper a little better. It doesn't help when you have all when you have revolving door linemen and he's running for his life. And right. I think um, that is a fair assessment. And again, playing in a team where you have, you know, a coordinator, a former coordinator, in some really hot stuff. You know, you can make your conclusions on that. And then you have, you know, the people just stealing stuff out of their facilities. They're trying to move out of that historic stadium. I think it's just the franchise who at one point, I mean, is an original NFL franchise with a great history. And ever since Lovey Smith got fired, it seems that it's been a bad time at all, except the one year they made it to the uh, NFC Championship against the Packers in 2010. Jay Cutler. Um, well, they had a, they had one good year with Matt Nagy where they went to the right. The yeah, two and Cody Park the, the double doink game. But yeah, they had Trubisky. They had a good team that year. They won twelve games that year. But they haven't been good. <laughs> right, but I think on you know in the best case scenario on the Eagles, I do think Justin Fields does play a little better. Especially, cool. I mean, look, look, look at look at um, I mean, look at those rushing yards he was able to get even in his worst towards the end last year, but. At the end of the day, you know, not to harp on the Jets again, they are even worse than the Jets, and, and that's saying something for a team well, with a Jets classic history. Defense. The Jets' defense is still a top ten unit in terms of you know just yeah. Jets defense, Jets have a great defense. It's just you know it's eventually it will crack you know because they're 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 under so much pressure to to make a play. Yeah, and I guess also the last thing to mention with this game is uh, we have Jawan Taylor right. Do we feel he's getting targeted by refs? You know, he had what five penalties um, against him against Jacksonville. Well, he has a he has a false start, and they, they 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 he has a false start problem when they noticed that he he essentially lines up before the cadence and he kind of moves the feet a little bit, which the NFL refs rightfully pointed out. I want to say it happened in the game versus Jacksonville where they just weren't calling it, but you know they. They, the NFL realized and they looked into it. So, I mean, it was something the coaches noticed. And if the coaches noticed something, um, it's good that they pointed out to the league. So I don't think he's being unfairly. I even with Andy Reid's comments during the presser, even saying that he feels he's getting targeted, do you think no, there's any validity I, I, to that? I think, I think the, the the coaches in the NFL are smart enough to notice when something is out of whack or not being not being uh, enforced. So they, they, let the, they let the officials know, which is what they should do. So no, I don't think he's been unfairly targeted. Yeah, no, I couldn't. Or I, I feel the same way about it. And certain guys stick their neck out too much, um, and particularly during a game. And you know, I think that some of these younger refs have more of a reputation to be a little more retributional, um, and sometimes it's unjustified. But certain players have that magnetism, just like certain players are afforded more rope. So I think this is one of those situations. So then you guys don't feel that Andy, you think Andy Reid's um, uh, complaining a little too much on that. And any um, instances of being harassed or stuff should be um, 
mean, let go if if anything. The officials credit, like the NFL's officials credit, if they miss a call, they like they did rescind. They did send a notice to the Jets last week that they missed the roughing the passer versus um versus Dallas, where they 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 just flat out missed the call, and they did send a letter to the Jets like, hey, we were wrong in that call. So mm-hmm. the NFL does take some accountability in that. So I'll say that. Yeah, I think if it's then it's something else. But coaches are always going to chirp and be complaining about everything anyway. So, All right. I hear that. So we have the Miami Dolphins host the Denver Broncos. This was the score. 70 to 20. 70 points. They scored 10 touchdowns in one game. And... For a team that was very cocky and talking a bunch of smack before with Sean Payton, even calling out head coaches, he has an 0-3 start. But I think the big thing I want to get into this, are we finally declaring that the AFC's best team, and I'm saying team, not offense, but team, is it the Miami Dolphins after the first three weeks? Obviously, the powerful offense with a very ideal running back by committee with Incredible with a very stellar offensive line with Tua, who people wanted him to retire. I understand for health reasons, but um, he seems to uh, be leveling up and already playing like an MVP in the first three weeks. Plus, you have a defense that is somewhat underrated with strong pass rushers, and you're going to have Jalen Ramsey return um, in, in a couple weeks as well. Plus, Mike McDaniel who I think deserves his flowers with his great offensive mind. And I don't know, is it because he looks like he works in IT? People don't want to give him the credit. I know he's a goofy guy. I know he says some weird things, but man, that guy knows how to play chess in this league. My Amy Dolphins are a team to really watch out for in the league. And I think this particular game showed for it. And this is this was not a bad defense they played. This was a very respected Highly praised defense, and they scored 70 points. And they had the opportunity to break the NFL record for most points scored in a game, and they kneeled the ball down, which was, you know, classy move. I think I might as well get the field goal at that point, but I um, respect McDaniel's decision there. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's just one of those games where they just kind of they kind of went off, but um, credit to the Miami Dolphins. They they look really good. Um, they got Achani, De- Devon Achani. He had a huge game. Um, I think they were the first team in NFL history to have over 300 yards passing and 250 yards rushing in a single game. They had over 700 yards uh, <laughs> of total offense in the game, which is ridiculous. Um, that's literally unheard of. Um, and that's even Mike White had a big game in the backups. When they put in the backups, he was... <laughs> Mikey White and Chosen Anderson. It was a blowout of massive proportions, and it's and it's embarrassing. It's you know they had 726 yards total offense, 376 yards passing, and 350 on the ground. They averaged 10 yards a play, which is that's the most telling. They had 30 first downs. I don't think the Jets have had 30 first downs in the last five years. So (laughs) um, yeah, it's you know kind of crazy, but um, it's yeah. I mean, I. I think it goes to show you that they have so they have so many speedsters in that team. Wow, they're they can really fly. Um, so they're gonna be a really really tough team to beat. I mean, whatever New England did though, New England kept them the twenty four seventeen. Christian Gonzalez shut down Tyree Kill, so there is a formula to beat them. Um, mm-hmm. They only beat San Diego by two points, so it's like are yeah. they so? I think this is one. I think it's one, gonna be an outlier where they had one game where they just obliterated everyone. 
But um, I mean, I don't know. I, I still don't really completely like at the end of the day trust that defense entirely. Um, I think they're they're pretty decent defense, but I also think they're not versing like one of the the best teams. I, I mean, they're going to play Buffalo next week. I think they're going to be tested versus Buffalo. To be honest, and early there, Buffalo's are favorites. Yeah, coming I, into that. I I don't know. I, I think that's going to be a good game, but I mean, they haven't necessarily seen a quarterback like Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I can really really well. Justin Herbert's pretty good, but Josh Allen has a little bit more mobility than Justin Herbert, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, I mean, every other team besides the Jets, Josh Allen is a is an All Pro corner quarterback. When he plays the Jets, all of a sudden, for some reason, I don't know. Maybe you know. I guess you know. I wish the Jets could play defense like that versus every other quarterback, but right. Yeah, you know. But Josh Allen is an All Pro quarterback, and they're going to be reversing an All Pro um, next week. So I think it's going to be interesting. Miami's going to be playing at, at at Buffalo, which is going to be a little bit colder. I mean, they played at Miami in the warmth, which is you know a little bit different right now. Even Buffalo in October is is different than than Miami in, in October, obviously. So it's going to be different, difficult. You're going to be dealing with the wind. Um, and I think I think they got to get after two a little bit more because I feel like he hasn't necessarily been under pressure as much, under as much duress. And with Buffalo's defensive yeah. line, um, I think they're going to be able to get after two a little bit. So it's going to be a good game. Um, but I am impressed with what I see with Miami. Um, definitely right now they're one of the fastest teams in the league, if not the fastest team in the league, like in terms of how they can run down the field. But that's just what I, I saw. I'll let... I'll let um, Alex go on a little bit, um, you know, so. Yeah, um, no, you made a lot of great points. I think that uh, obviously it was like a, a beat down of ever proportions. Um, Denver has far more holes than I even expected them to have with inheriting Sean Payton. I think the most telling stat, like you said, Hayden, was the fact that they were picking up 10 yards a game. I mean, 10 yards of play on average, which is just ridiculous and astounding. And it bears out with the third down efficiency as well. They didn't even have 10 third downs to even deal with the entire game. But moving forward, when we preview this team and where they rank in the hierarchy for the AFC, I think it's still yet to be seen if they are the the top dogs. It's only been three weeks. I think if we um, fast forward to the Buffalo game, I think that they do squeak out and they uh, become the favorites coming out of the first quarter of the season. But there's multiple ways that they can win. There's one way that I think that they could keep it close, and I think New England kind of alluded to it, which is ground and pound, keep the defense on the field and wear them out. Because like you said, I don't think that this defense is all that it's made out to be. I think that they're very soft, and they have to win um, in in an offensive style, and that's what this roster is built for. Um, I think McDaniel is a masterful offensive coordinator. I know he's the coach, but he really is more of an offensive coordinator. And it'll be interesting to see um, how uh, uh, how uh, Buffalo prepares for this game um, and how that coaching staff uh, prepares. You know, are they going to send five uh, more than um, more than once or twice per possession on defense? You know, are they going to try to you know push them off the field? And then how does Tua? Um, how does Tua, Tua respond in the short game? Is he going to start throwing a lot of stuff out of the slant? Is he going to try to get the ball out quick? Um, how is that off, um, offensive line going to be able to hold up against that pass rush? So it'll be very interesting to see how that game plays out. And it's a very different animal playing up in Buffalo once it starts getting cold. And I think the most telling story from that game was Sean Payton claiming, you know, what a genius he is. Have the worst <laughs> coaching job ever for Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett never had a defense that played that bad. I mean, oh, my God. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, at least every game, they were pretty close. I mean, the worst coaching job is right now, Sean Payton's done, how he's, you know, tr- t- talks trash about everyone. He 
he talked trash that Tua should have been benched at one point a couple of years ago and that, that came out. I mean, the guy literally has just been running his mouth for three years and to come out and just lay a, a freaking goose egg like this, I mean, for the first three <laughs> weeks. Like, he, he got what he deserved coming to him. The guy's cocky as hell, overrated, rode the coattails of Drew Brees for his entire career and only won one Super Bowl. But mind you, only got back to one NFC title game even after that. So a little bit of an overrated coach, in my opinion. Um, I definitely feel like they were guys like Eric Bianami and other coordinators I feel like should have got a chance over Sean Payton, personally. I think Bianami would have been a better coach right now than Bianami would have been, I gen- and then uh, Sean Payton would have been. I, I generally believe that right now, but um, that's for another day. But, um, I mean, we'll see. They, they play they play Chicago, and then they play the Jets. So this 0-3 start should could quickly be 2-3, and three. and then you're feeling a little different at 2-3 and three than you were at 0-3, so... Well, how long? That, that that's a great point. And then before we before I hand it off to Matt, how long do we give Russell Wilson um, the affordance? Because John Payne was essentially brought in to not only make this a winning team, but to fix Russell Wilson, whatever is going on between his ears. So I think he's actually been playing better. If I'm just being honest, I think he's been better the first three weeks. But I mean, John Payton has no patience for this. So I mean, I wouldn't be like I said. I, I think I mentioned this earlier in the in the show. I wouldn't be surprised if Russell Wilson got benched by like week ten. Like I would not be surprised. That's what I'm at. They're they're just there is you know completely... they just don't like each other. No, I don't really feel like like Wilson and Peyton really like each other. Which Peyton's a to be honest with you, Peyton's a difficult personality. If, if I'm being completely oh, yeah. honest, he's Colin Coward's best friend. Is that so a is, sign so of anything? Is, so is Russell <laughs> a little bit, but like I mean, the goo gobbler. I mean. <laughs> Too many cooks <laughs> in the kitchen sometimes. I, I don't. I yep. think Peyton's going to kind of want his quarterback a little bit. So it, I mean, you know. Well, if you're the offensive guru, you got to make it work with whoever you got. I mean, Russell Wilson basically has the same arm talent and build that Drew Brees had in New Orleans. I who I also heard was an offensive guru, uh, Adam Gase. I also heard Joe. Dunn- <laughs> <laughs> oh so, yeah. Oh God. You know. Never um, again. That seems like a that seems like fifty years ago, Adam Gase, the Adam Gase era, compared to what Robert Sala is doing. I mean, again, I want to harp on it again. The Jets, they just always make the wrong decisions. Yeah, I and know. I mean, it seems like the Knicks at one point. I hope that's not the case this year, especially finally a year that there there is actually hope in this season. The Mets, somehow the Yankees have, are tasting that Kool Aid. Uh, something something's in the water up here. I don't know what it is. I mean, what's also shocking about this game is, is that they kept they kept Russell Wilson in the whole game. Like you're down fifty points. <laughs> that's just punishment. That's just like that's almost like malpractice. It's like irresponsible. Um, mm. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll ultimately see where this leads. Now the Steelers and the Raiders. Steelers win well, twenty three to eighteen, and what a stupid ending this game was. Down twenty three to fifteen. In Raiders territory, but um, in Steelers territory, mind you, you're telling me that the Raiders decided to kick a field goal instead of trying to tie the game with what five minutes left? What a stupid yeah, kicked, goofball kicked, McDaniel's is! And they kicked the field goal to make it five when they could have just went for it and got a touchdown, a two point conversion. Which <laughs> I guess they didn't want to have to get the two point conversion when they scored a touchdown. Which well, can I put on? Well, have maybe it's. Yeah, so I'll put. I'll put on. I'll put. Yeah, you can. You can talk a little bit more about this. <laughs> I don't. I don't have much to say because, um, similarly to how Hayden feels about his pathetic Jets, I am equally as disgusted with my team. 
Um, they're a shell of themselves. McDaniels is, um, he should never really show his face in public, quite frankly. Same with Mark Davis. Um, I thought that this game should have been over well before the fourth quarter. They shouldn't even have been in a position to be able to tie it, but they were. And it goes to show you that um, the, 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 this offense is completely sackless. They have no, they have no testosterone whatsoever to actually get anything going into the end zone. And when, it, when the chips were on the line, when they actually had an opportunity to win the game, they completely feared ran away from the opportunity. Um, the, Jimmy G was just a disaster. He had the two turnovers. Um, he, he couldn't pick up very, very simple first downs through the first half. Um, th- th- this game really shouldn't even have been close. And it, it's, it's embarrassing when you're outplayed by a second year quarterback like Pickett um, because I understand Tomlin's a good coach and he knows how to get his guys ready. But um, uh, uh, Vegas, this should have been their coronation at home. This should have been a huge, like, home opener, uh, uh, making a point, uh, making a stand, and they just completely whiffed on it. They looked ill-prepared, um, and they looked really, they looked just really, really lack of baseball on offense. And as the weeks go by, it's it, uh, it's just a matter of how much are you going to waste of this, um, uh, of these great players, like Devontae and Max Crosby in particular, how much of, are there, of their prime are you going to waste? Um, I know that they've treated them well. They've gotten good contracts. They're getting their touches. They're getting their opportunities. But at a certain point, it's just not fair to them to continue to surround them with just trash rosters. And um, and again, I mean, there's just there's no there's no questions answered from the weeks I've, the weeks prior. Like, where is the secondary? Where is the accountability for these bonehead penalties? And where is Hunter Renfro in the offense? I don't. That's what understand. I was going to ask. Where is Hunter Renfro? Where the fuck is Hunter Renfro? Why is Josh Jacobs picking up six yard catches? That's Renfro's job. They should be running out of the slot. They should be playing a little read option. I mean, it's just it's. It's just it's unimaginative offense from a guy who claims to be an offensive guru, similar to Sean Payton, and it's just it's sickening because if you're going to be good at one thing and you're going to tie your identity to it, then knock it out of the fucking park. We knew that this defense was going to be Swiss cheese dog shit from day one, um, but at least if you could couple an unbelievable offense, which they had on paper the past two years now, then you could kind of make up for that and you could win a certain way, but they can't even do that. Nope. And um, Steelers keep coasting by, you know, getting these big two big wins to start the season. And um, maybe some people are, um, especially defensively, maybe um, they really do have something there, make a return to the playoffs, especially TJ Watt. uh, Just keep eating people alive. And he's slowly turning into, if not already, the best defensive player in the league. Yeah, the Steelers look pretty good. I mean, TJ Watt, like you said, um, they have Joey Porter Jr. too. Yeah, um, he had a really good, he had a really good play in the past breakup to end the game. Um, I mean, definitely they they have some players. Pittsburgh, um, Kenny Pickett throwing throwing that long touchdown to our to the yeah he had threw a long touchdown to Calvin Calvin Austin. Or, yeah, yep, sure. that's him. Yeah, Calvin yeah. Austin, the rookie, the rookie. He he's a he's a he's a burner down the field. Um, so, th- so they threw a long touchdown to him. So that was that was pretty awesome. Um, bunch of this is back to back games in which they've had a seventy yard. Passing touchdown, um, so it kind of shows they can, they're starting to stretch the field a little bit. So I think Kenny Pickett uh, look look better under Matt Canada's offense. And uh, Matt Canada's trying to uh, have people for some, um, you know, I know he faced some criticism after week two, but um, making some pretty strategic moves as the game went on. 
Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely is, is starting to improve. Um, if you want to finally, finally looked a little bit better. It looked got a little bit of that, a little bit of burst of speed. Didn't quite look as slow as he did before. Um, still, still as fast. Yeah, that's Jaylen that's Warren. the weird, especially they for a fantasy Jaylen, owner. Jalen Warren, who could kind of plug the holes a little bit in terms of that running back. So they got some pieces. I don't really love their offense, to be honest with you. Um, I think their offense kind of kind of is lacking a little bit. But I mean, they they do have a great defense and a defense that's going to carry them. When and Kenny Pickett has proven he can make plays in the clutch, which is a pretty mm-hmm. good thing that you want from your quarterback, in my opinion. So I mean, we'll see. They're going to be around like an eight. They well, they won nine games last year. They'll probably be around the same nine or eight or nine wins. That's right. The- I don't feel like they have enough like talent to be. I don't feel they have enough talent in offense to be to be one of the elite teams in the AFC. But they're definitely going to hang on the in the playoff picture the whole season. They're going to be they're going to be pretty competitive. No doubt on that. Excellent, excellent points there, Hayden. So the Bills had another dominant victory. They defeat the Commanders 37 to 5, 3, 37 to 3. Five turnovers for Washington. But um, you know, back to back confidence booster games for the Bills, and I think they are back into uh a good place as the season progressed after a very tough loss to the Jets in week one. And Josh Allen. Um, playing much better as well. I think just I think that's the thing to take away here. One, the Commanders start off the first two games, especially offensively, as a team that may hang in there, especially with the return on. They're also having some major players on defense re- uh, return, like a Chase Young. So they're okay, but you know, a very ugly home loss doesn't help them out. But um, the Bills getting momentum back that they needed very crucial, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, Buffalo. I think I think every team needs like a wake up game. I think at one point where they just kind of lose to someone unexpected or something happens where it kind of wakes them up. I mean, that first game versus versus the Jets. Like, if you if you don't like for Josh Allen, you learned if you don't hold on to the ball and you don't take care of the ball, you're going to lose to any NFL team because NFL teams are good enough to you know make you pay for your mistakes. So, I mean, what I think Buffalo learned is is that if Josh Allen could hold on to the ball, take care of it. Still take your shots when need be, but be a little bit more conservative with the ball. Still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, they're still an elite team. So Stephon Diggs, they still have Gabe Davis. Um, they're starting to run the ball a little bit. They still got a great, they still got a great uh, pass rush and a, and a good secondary, led by uh, Tre'Davious White. So, um, I mean, for sure, they're they're going to be they're going to be one of the elite teams in the AFC still. Um, whether who's going to win the AFC East between them and Miami. Going to be up for up for grabs, but they're going to be, they're going to be in the they're going to be in the playoff picture definitely this season. They're 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 a very good team still. So I think it was kind of just that first game kind of got out of the jitters out and kind of woke them up a little bit to say, hey, if, you know, even though we have all this talent, if we don't play to our potential, we're still going to not going to be able to lose games. We're still going to we're still not going to be able to win games. So I think that was actually kind of a good thing for Buffalo. I think they needed that, and I think the rest of the season is going to be pretty good for them. They should be in eleven. They should win about 10 or 11 games, in my opinion. They're going to they're gonna be pretty solid. Yeah, every team needs a statement game. I think this was an early uh, setting the tone type of game because we had a few questions coming into this game about how um, how how good their, their offense would be. We knew they would probably win this game. I think the spread said so. But, um, you, you know, you're absolutely right, Hayden. I think, like, every team needs a statement game like this. Um, I still have my reservations about – 
um, their run game, but it's very little. Um, they haven't been asked to do much. I think once you see turns, start seeing some of these tighter games um, down the line with the schedule. Yeah, um, I mean, James Cook ran for 98 yards on, on 15 carries, so he had a pretty good game. And Josh Allen, you have a mobile quarterback in Josh Allen, so if you get if you think right. about it, if you get like 60 yards from from 60, 70 yards from like James Cook with your running game, plus like another 45 or 50 from Josh Allen, sure, you know, get you 110 yards, you know, 120 around that range. Right. But what I'm saying is like, um, are they going to be able to sustain that in a game like with Miami where it really is crucially important and, and vital to control the clock, keep the, the, the offense, yeah. uh, the ball out of it? Definitely. That's that's going to be a tough one. I, I think I would give I think I'd give Miami the edge in that because I think they're a little quicker. Um, James Cook has, has actually played pretty decent last couple of games, but um, you know, I think it was good. Luckily, they didn't have to do too much. Um, the Packers didn't have to do too much. Luckily, but yeah, and I th- and I still think that Jacksonville at home might be a tricky game because um, we're we're kind of down on Jacksonville temporarily because of the way they've kind of come out of the blocks a little slow. But I think they're going to get their yeah, Jacksonville. Jacksonville's a good team. Yeah. And and November fifth, I still have my eyes on because I think by then, by that juncture, I'm going to go down with the ship if Cincinnati hasn't cleaned up their their act by then. But I do expect Cincinnati to start getting back to their old form by the um, the next few weeks of the season. So yeah, uh, and New England's still a tough team. You get you know New England gets them at home. So you know New England's got a good defense. They got yeah. Christian Gonzalez who who shut down, you know. Tyree Kill and now Garrett Wilson, so he's he's been pretty good. Yeah, solid college. solid draft, first round draft pick so far. <laughs> so the, the Chargers played the Vikings. You know the Chargers really like to gamble. I don't know. Brandon Staley really likes to gamble his job, I guess. But the gamble <laughs> wound up working. Chargers win twenty eight to twenty four. Vikings just could well, not capitalize. They got, they got to stop. They they actually missed the the fourth down call that he actually called. But then they luckily the defense got to stop and bailed them out. <laughs> Right, exactly. So I think the Vikings are a lame duck team getting ready with the new regime. They got a, a younger GM. Clearly Kirk is out. I mean... No, Kirk is... They're, they're not losing because of Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins... No, I know. I'm say, I'm just saying with everything else and... Yeah, no, yeah. Um, I, I, get you. I hear you. I hear yeah. You. It's it's leading to things changing. That is a, it's coaching a second year, but Kirk wasn't his guy. I'm sure they want to really reset but um like i said maybe i i will admit after watching that quarterback documentary i'm such a big kirk cousins fan i just want it to work out for the guy but you know life is about opportunities and being in the right place at the right time and it just seems this team um wants to transition to a younger place now obviously there's still a lot of football left to play but um it's not promising it doesn't look too promising you don't want to waste hawkinson and jefferson and um Players like that. I will say Austin Matheson is not looking like a solid replacement for Dalvin Cook either. He's uh, struggled yeah, once again. Um, so they're they're back up running back too. So yeah. So um, tough things for the Vikings, but the Chargers still hanging in there. Now they do have a bad loss in Mike Williams tearing his ACL after going in. That will be a big factor going in. But um, both teams in unique places go up against each other. They both needed that win, and it was the Chargers who got it. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, essentially a game of which team was going to choke worse. And, you know, unfortunately, we, not for, I mean, we learned that the Chargers, you know, made one more big play. These teams are like trying to lose each game at one point. So kind of crazy, but, you know. <laughs> well, the, the Chargers have a, a bye week at home next week. So I'm sure they'll continue their winning ways. Um, 
Um, I, I agree with the sentiment of what Matt said. I think that with Minnesota, um, they have a lot of promising organizational structure coming in, you know, with a new GM. And I do believe in their coach. I think they have a lot of things working for them on offense. I think that Kirk Cousins was the right person at the right time for yesteryear. I think that he took his money in Washington. And he was a good bridge gap quarterback um, to be able to take them certain places. But it's it's time to move on. And, and um, they've done a lot of great things performing this defense. Um, I think that the Chargers are a handful on offense. I didn't expect them to come out of this game in one piece. But, um, you know, you, you look at the rest of the NFC North and, you know, I, I think Green Bay is ahead of schedule, even though I still think they're kind of a paper tiger. Um, Detroit's definitely ahead of schedule. I'm very high on them, and we'll see how things shake out this weekend with that with that matchup. Um, but you want to stay competitive with this emerging uh, rebuild program that the two of them are running in Green Bay and Detroit. And if Minnesota is going to stay on schedule and stay on pace to compete with them, they need to make wholesale adjustments as well. So I think that um, Minnesota, you know, they, they may start to tail off this year and regress towards the median, which is what I expected in the preseason picks. Um, and they're going to have to make tough decisions this, uh, this offseason. Very much so. And again, it's it really is too early to to project tanking. Even though, again, I feel like it's only week three, but it feels like it's week 16. I think just with so many weird things happening, it's raining every damn day. Um, everybody's angry, but um, there's still a lot of football, a lot of football. It's not even October yet, so let us enjoy this ride. But um, if we have to talk about the tanking and people trying to make it just more apparent than ever in this what have you done for me lately and making results right away? Then I guess that might be um, the way we're talking about some of these teams as the year goes on. But what are you going to do, right? What are you going to do? So the Browns play the Titans. And the Browns won it for Nick Chubb. And um, the offense looked pretty good, even though there was a point where Watson literally threw it backwards, which is a hilarious blooper we'll have for a while. But um, again, looking good on offense, and the Titans clearly had a hard time scoring. Derrick Henry is not as dumb. He's getting older, and it's it's you know it's tough. And we see why we are transitioning to running back by committee offenses. And it it generally is is tough to see because I know those star running backs. Your Saquon injured, J.K. Dobbins injured, Dick Chubb injured. Um, who am I missing? Uh, no, there's one more. But regardless, the point is that for a do- for Derrick Henry might be the last of a of a old school offense one pounding ground running back, and yet he's not able to produce that. We know Ryan Tannenhill is not. Um, it seems he's not clearly the guy anymore. I'm sure we're going to have a quarterback switch um, towards the end of the season, whether that's Will Levis or Malik Willis. Again, even though Malik Willis in his few games, he started looked pretty bad. But um, the Titans looking like, um, I know they have a win already, but it was not a promising game. They were not ready to play against Cleveland. And I called this game too. I, I said that. Cleveland, um, don't fall in love with the upset on the road. I, I expected them to win this game and take care of business at home. Um, I thought this was too critical a game for Kevin, Kevin Stefanski and that team to kind of um, set themselves up in the AFC North. I think right now that division's wide open with um, Cincinnati having their trouble and Baltimore having their trouble as well. 
And I think that when you look at the numbers, I mean, this game was total domination. It really wasn't close. Um, I, I, I thought it was just a masterful job on the coaching staff for Cleveland. Um, they really, you know, game planned well to minimize um, Derrick Henry. We knew what they were going to do um, on offense. Titans from day one um, through this whole season. We know the, limit, the limits with Tannehill. And um, Vrabel just never adjusted. I mean, and and they played a sloppy game. They they gave up. They had 80 penalty yards, which is, um, a, you know, a huge no-no if you're going to extend your drives. And um, Cleveland dominated the time of possession. They they basically doubled them up. So uh, I think that they have a multifaceted formula for winning that they're going to carry through the season. And it's both on the ground and through the air. And even in spite of not having Nick Chubb, I think that this offense is good enough with Kevin Stefanski's leadership uh, to continue to keep this train rolling. Um, I think the jury's still out on who's really on top in that AFC North right now. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to say. I actually think the best team in terms of the first three weeks has probably been. I think the best team right now is Cleveland. The best through through the first three weeks. I don't know. I don't think that will be the team sitting to sitting at the top of standings at the end of the year. But I think the best team right now is probably Cleveland in the first three weeks. If they can get if they can get quarterback play from Deshaun Watson, that's very good. Um, I think they have the least amount of holes right now. But that being said, who I think. Who I think will win the division is probably Baltimore. Why don't no. we talk about Baltimore then? They had a they gave they had um the Colts with Gardner Minshew run up on them and create the comeback. Colts win twenty two to nineteen. What did we think about this? I mean, I I don't really put too much stock in it. I mean, you know, every every so often a team chooses to surprise a team on on a, on a given week. Um, I think people are actually underestimating the Colts. Um, Colts Colts have been pretty good the first couple of weeks, actually surprisingly. Um, I mean, Gardner Minshew played pretty good. Um, apparently, they have the, the, the league's secret weapon, Mac A. <laughs> you know. He had, oh yes, he had, he's uh, looking like a really solid kicker. Yeah, I want to say he had like four field goals of fifty or more. Yeah, I want to say he's a journeyman kicker, and um, I don't know, maybe they like it in Indy. Um, so yeah, he had first first kicker in NFL history to make four field goals of fifty yards or longer. Um, that's never going to happen again. So there's just certain weeks that. You know, you get lucky. Like they, they everything you know well happened to the Colts in that in that week. Like how many, how often is that ever going to happen, Alex or Matt? Four field goals of fifty yards. Like uh, those are tough kicks. Like they're they're not like gimme kicks like that. You don't know, snap fingers. So not too much. Of a, I'm not going to make too much of a knee jerk reaction, but I do think uh, maybe perhaps that the Ravens were looking overlooking the Colts with a backup quarterback and Gardner Minshew. Um, and the Colts defense has actually been surprisingly okay. They gave they have a red hot uh, offense for the Ravens to just 19 points in the afternoon. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I'm gonna let Alex analyze this game. A little I'm gonna bit. I'm gonna rip, I'm gonna rip you into asshole Hayden because I've been hearing nothing about all this Lamar love for weeks and weeks on end, and I'm not letting you guys off the hook. This Baltimore Ravens team gave up a gimme at home. They had no business losing this game. They had every opportunity in the book from. Fourth- oh, yeah, I agree that. From the fourth quarter to overtime, you have the better coach, you have the better quarterback, you have the better defense, you're at home, the weather conditions are in your favor, and you still blow it. And look, Harbaugh should have outcoached this rookie rookie coach, and Minshew had no business winning that game, but he had <laughs> enough force to pull that out of his ass. Um, I have I've had grave doubts about 
um, Lamar's ability. And especially with losing J.K. Dobbins and having a more uh, minimal structure behind the quarterback. And um, playing more of a pocket passer instead of um, Yeah, he, he cannot he cannot make the routine throws when it's needed. He cannot be six of sixteen on third down. It's just not it's just completely inexcusable. And especially with with the, with the team, like we were saying that the AFC South was probably the worst division in football this year. Yeah, they may have surprises here and there, but by and large, they're a bad uh, they're a bad division. So you yeah, can't you can't tell me that losing to the Colts is like is 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 a feather in their cap for 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 the for the Colts. It's just it's it's inexcusable for a team that's supposed to be making this ascension into the playoffs in the AFC. And when we start breaking down the hierarchy and the rankings as we go through the year, because the AFC is so loaded, we cannot continue to keep putting the Ravens in this conversation if this is the product they put out at home. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna. I am actually not going to sit there and and disagree with you on on your analysis and what you just said there. Um, I mean, there's no reason. Like I said, there's no reason Baltimore should have lost this game. I, I I agree with that. But like, every so often a team does lose a game which they were completely favored, and like I, I kind of see it as more or less than that. But there is there is certain issues that the Baltimore Ravens have been having in terms of closing out games, and for the last two years actually, um, they've actually blown. I want to say they've blown more ten point quarter leads. 10 fourth, fourth quarter leads more than, than any other team in the NFL. I want to say that's true. Um, so, you know, Baltimore, since the start of the 2022 season, Baltimore's been outscored by 46 points in the fourth quarter in overtime. That's the, mm-hmm. the fourth worst by any team in, in the in the, in the the NFL during that time period. So that's actually kind of an issue in terms of they've had it closing out games. So, and yes, you, you, you can say that, that that could be an issue moving forward. Um, I do think they have – one of the, I would say probably, I would say when he's fully healthy and functioning, I would say Lamar Jackson's the most versatile quarterback in the division. I would say that though. He's not a quarterback. Um, my my issue is the best thing they do is run the football. But what happens in the second half when they basically get get blanketed on the ground game and they can't and they can't they can't get back off the mat. They can't be resilient. So if the if the defense strategizes and comes out of the second half. And basically, as a game plan for your your one your your one dimensional offense, everything you need to know is right in the stats. Especially with this one, that's why I almost wish I had bars tonight because he had two touchdowns, he had two tubbies running it in, but he had nothing through the air, two hundred yards through the air, no touchdowns. It's just unacceptable for a guy you're paying quarterback money for. I'm sorry, like he is a running back dressed. He's a running back masquerading as quarterback. I'm sorry. No, I I don't. I wouldn't disagree with you. I I don't. I don't agree with you on that because he's. He's had years in which he's led the league in passing touchdowns. I actually think he's he's gotten better each year as a passer. So I would I would not say that all the guy does when he's on the field is win games. Look at his record. Look at his record as a quarterback right now. All the guy does is win games. Like I'm not saying he I'm not saying maybe he's the best passer in the entire league, but I mean the guy the guy's a pretty good passer. The guy throws a, a dart when he's throwing. I I definitely think he's a Gardner Minshew. Sorry. I mean, I he probably should. I agree with you on that. They definitely should. But it, I mean, it also is one game too. I mean, you know, I'm not going to take too much stock in one game. My, my concern is you're going to close out games. You have to dominate time of possession. You have to be able to control the clock. What happens in the second half when they shut down your defense? Or the, what happens when they shut down your run game from a defensive perspective from the opposition? You have no way to. You have no way to come back. You lose your. I think they're gonna have to. I think they're gonna really have to look it over Baltimore in terms of like how. I mean, I think their defense 
surprisingly bad. They, they should have they should have done a little bit more of a start. Image, Could be better, yeah. In my opinion, like you're putting the game a lot on the offense, which is you're you're right. But like, I mean, you should you should win. You should be able to be hold Gardner Minshew to under twenty points. One hundred percent. And I stand by I stand by my pick that Baltimore loses misses the playoffs this year. Sorry. I mean, it's I mean with their with their running game right now kind of being depleted. Um, it's not a not a bad pick. I'm gonna choose to trust Lamar Jackson, the guy in the playoffs, is fully healthy because I believe when he's been in the league and when he's been a full time starter and when he's played a full season, they've gone eleven and four and thirteen and two. And in 2018, when he played seven games, they they were six and one. So if I'm looking off what the his all time record is 47 and 17, I'm gonna trust that guy. In my opinion, when he's on the field, fully healthy, to be a quarterback that can take his team to the playoffs. Like I, I'm gonna trust that guy all the time. I would take that that odds seventy. I would take those odds more often than I would not. That being said, it is a different situation this year. They have a new coordinator and Todd Munkin. Um, I think the receivers got to step up a little bit more. Um, Rashad Bateman's got to step up. Um, they have he's better. They you know, and they have a pretty decent. They have a pretty, they have a pretty um tough division in, in the NFC North. Let, assuming the Bengals can can uh, get back to form. You got you got Zay Flowers. You got Bateman. Um, they're going to have to find a way to get uh, Zay Flowers, I mean, a little bit more involved, although he does have 21 catches for in the first three games. And you know who they don't have? Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham. I know he's on the roster, Devin, but... Devin DuVernay is a good special teams player, but he's not exactly a a, a you know wide receiver one. So they could they could add a wide receiver at the trading deadline, in my opinion, Baltimore. Um, but, I mean, you did mm-hmm. draft Zay Flowers for that exactly. Maybe that's who you could G.J. Moore. He's actually been pretty good, Zay Flowers. Like I said, seven catches. If you do that for a 16-week season, um, I mean, you know, that's that, that that's pretty good if you have almost seven catches a game. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen per se. Um, but, you know, 16. Let me, let me, so let me. Let's, let's, let's fast forward. Before we move on, Matt, before, let's fast forward six, eight weeks. Let's say they go 500 over the course of those eight games or six games. Who are we going to put the blame on? The OC, who's just brand new there, or Lamar Jackson? Um, a little bit of both. You could, you definitely put the blame on Lamar. Definitely, if you're getting paid, I want to say he's the high. He's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, if not the highest. Um, so maybe third highest. Yeah, he's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. Let's just say that. Um, so you know. Yeah, I mean, if if you if you're putting it, you know, for him to be a, you know, you want him to be like a three thousand, four thousand yard passing guy consistently. So yeah, I would put you could put the blame on Lamar Jackson. That's fair. All right, we'll see. I know one quarterback that we do have to praise though is C.J. Stroud, and the Texans win and defeat the defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars by a score of. 37 to 17. You know, the Texans coming into this had a big, they're usually known to dominate the Jags. And that continued yeah. um, despite another two games in a row where the Jaguars struggled on offense, but we said they still should have the potential and um, overcome a slow start. But I mean, CJ Stroud guys, the question I'm going to ask is CJ Stroud. Good. I mean, 64% of his passes to start the year already 900 yards in the air. Hasn't thrown a pick yet. The man feels very looks very confident in the pocket. The man looks like he's making good decisions. Um, with these pretty much no name receivers like a Nico Collins, he's able to get them the ball, and things are looking pretty good for the Texans offensively. And again, ZJ Stroud is no doubt been the best offensive rookie so far. Yeah, I mean CJ Stroud uh, is just the first quarterback, you know. 
in NFL history with 900 yards passing and zero interceptions in a three-game span. He did this in his first career games, three first career first three career games, which is, you know, very very you know impressive. Um, you know, so he's only the third player in NFL history to um, with at least 900 yards passing in his first three games, joining Cam Newton and Justin Herbert. So you know, um, he's been he's been really really good um, through his first three games. Um, he's definitely a guy who feels like looks like he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to a force to be reckoned with in the AFC South. So. And remember, people were not giving him a lot of respect coming into it. They were concerned about his test scores, which is the dumbest thing to evaluate a quarterback. Uh, yeah. And look what he's doing now. Yeah, no, he's he's got a good build. Um, he looks like he's a he looks like he's a guy that 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 could stay, that's gonna stay. I mean, the AFC South all of a sudden has become a rather intriguing division. Assuming Anthony Richardson is gonna come back healthy, because he's a guy who's been dynamic with his legs. Um, you know. Through his first three starts, you know, they've been able to get two wins with a combination of Richardson and, and Gardner Minshew. So assuming Anthony Richardson's healthy and, and can run too, um, it's going to be an interesting division, actually. I think the, the gap is closing on the Jaguars faster than they would think. Um, I do think the Jaguars... Oh, yeah, they gotta be they got to get ready for this. I do think the Jaguars are going to win the division. But you see, you also see in the NFL, there are certain teams that have teams' numbers, like the Browns versus Bengals. The Browns consistently have the Bengals number every year. Um, the Jets versus the Bills is another example. Um, the, Jets play, <laughs> the, Jets play, the Jets, for some reason, play the Bills better than any other team at home. Um, so there are certain teams that just have like certain teams' numbers. Like for example, yeah. um, the Chiefs have beaten the 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 Denver Broncos. Like I want to say fifty, or they had they had previously fifteen straight times. The Patriots um, have the Jets' number. The Jets, yes. So there's just certain teams that have certain teams' numbers. Um, Everybody I feel like the Texans are one of those teams that just has the Jags number. Some reason the Giants, they have people's numbers in the playoffs historically, but not in the regular season lately. Yeah, I think, well, we kind of alluded to the the bigger bigger uh, takeaway from this game. I mean, I wanna, yeah, you know, give props to a young C.J. Stroud. I think he's got a bright future, and we'll see how the rest, of the, see if they can keep the rest of the games this year uh, competitive, but um, Jacksonville better clean up their act because we were prematurely crowning them as, you know, right up there at the top of the hierarchy. Kansas I was City. there for that. I said well, Trevor Lawrence MVP. Yeah. And if we need, yeah. So if we, if, if we're going to hold them to that, that standard, we need to um, kind of rip them apart because I think that, um, you know, obviously like this is Houston uh, game, you know, like they have their number, but, it's still inexcusable from a from a coaching standpoint. I mean, Doug Peterson is clearly the the, the the regarded guy. He's at home, um, and with Jacksonville, they have to um, they have they have to they have to own this loss. It's a home loss. It's an easy win at home. Um, supposedly on their schedule, we looked at their schedule pretty formidably, and a lot of um, uh, bigger opponents coming down the pipeline. But for now, they have to win these games, and, I, and my fear is that as the as the, the season progresses. Um, these these gimme games they're going to look back at as missed opportunities uh, to kind of stack up wins. And when it gets towards the end of the season, I think it's, that's going to be the difference between them being the one seed versus a three seed uh, because I don't think that Kansas City is going anywhere, um, even with their early struggles from week one. So I, I, I still have full confidence. Like I thought Trevor Lawrence played a decent game with, with the exception of the turnover, but – um, this defense needs to do more with a, with a young Houston team. They should have taken advantage of Houston. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm with I'm with you on that, Alex. Um, what I what I have been very very surprised about is like, like I said, I think the gap's closing a lot faster than than I mm-hmm. thought it would. Um, these teams like Houston and you know Houston and uh, Tennessee's a dumpster fire, so I'm not even gonna really talk about them. But, yeah, know, I'm surprised they've won get they they beat someone, but of course they beat the team that chokes every every game away in, in, in LA. <laughs> but um. But the um the Colts and the the Colts and the Texans have definitely surprised me a little bit how competitive they've been. I did not expect them to be this competitive um, with their with their young nucleus and quarterbacks and and new coaches as well. D'Amico Ryan's and uh, Shane Shane Stacken. They've they've been surprising. I, I have to say. Um, so clearly, I underestimated the AFC South a little bit. Um, <laughs> so that's one of the areas in which I'm I'm genuinely surprised. I actually had the Jaguars finishing first in the conference more. As to how porous I thought the division was going to be, um, and now maybe I have to reevaluate that a little bit because I think it could be it could that could be a division that's going to be surprisingly more close than people think. Like I'm still going to take the Jaguars. I still think they're the best team, and but that being said, it's it's not going to be as much of a cakewalk as I thought it would be. Interesting. Okay. Absolutely. So let's continue with the. Let's continue. Um, Man, my phone will turn off for a second. Okay. We had the Seahawks defeat the Panthers by a score of 37 to 27. And the big thing there, we have the Seahawks running game getting some noise. And um, with Andy Dalton as the backup coming in, they do score points on the Seahawks defense, but simply the uh, Panthers defense was outnumbered and they had a hard time containing Geno Smith and the offense for Seattle. And again, you know, probably talk throughout a long time throughout the season. Panthers remember our rebuilding team. They have a lot to work to do and they really need to figure out Bryce Young, especially when he comes back. So nothing to really harp on at Carolina too much there. Um, maybe the Jets should have traded for Andy Dalton at the time, but again, it's too late for a, for a team that could doesn't need a backup for that's already um, rebuilding. But again, as um as Hayden mentions, pretty much when the Jets see a good idea, they say, let's not do it. So um, just to take away there, um, Seahawks trying to uh, make up for lost ground after their first loss. But um, I think at least uh, Geno Smith playing better after a uh, rocky first couple of games. I mean, I think also you're seeing that their running game is also pretty stout. Um, they got... Yep. Chardonnay, they got um, Kenneth Walker, who's been really good. Um, Lockett and Metcalf's a good combination for offense. They got actually a lot of quite interesting pieces. Um, Geno Smith has definitely come into his own after last year and just completely revitalized his career in Seattle. Um, He's been looking really good. You see him encouraging people on the sidelines. Um, He's he's been everything you wanted and more from a guy from for Seattle. Um, So, and that's not even. You know that's not even taking account that they have a they have a new young receiver too in Jigba, uh, Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, you know I, who I think is actually needs to get his, you know, training legs off. I don't. He hasn't been as great as I, as I thought he would be. But that being said, he's also a rookie, three games into his career, so um, I wouldn't really look too much too much into that. Um, I think he'll come around soon. But they have a lot of definitely some pieces there in Seattle that that could be intriguing and. Are gonna be, they're going to be a fun team to watch because they're going to put up points on the board. 100%. Yeah, I'm really excited about 
them being able to crack the code with Kenneth Walker really get all the juice out of him. I he almost had 160 all-purpose yards in this game, and I thought that um, they did a lot of things right from an offensive perspective. Um, Gino, I mean, I still need to see two full seasons, and I stand by that, stand to that protocol. But I think that he's clearly on the ascension. They're um, a lot better than I give them credit for. But this, they also did this last year, so. I, I think they need to prove it through the duration of the, the remainder of their schedule. They do have a tough schedule and they did what they're supposed to. They beat on a young, bad team um, at home. They took care of business. And um, I, I'm still concerned about some of his decision-making. I mean, the turnovers, obviously not, not, not good, but they took advantage of a backup quarterback and the, the penalties are just still just too much. I know that's not an offensive issue, but from, um, from a 53-man uh, roster perspective, I just think that they need to clean up some of the screws. So I think that falls on Pete Carroll and uh, getting that team um, a little more disciplined. Yeah, you don't want penalties to ruin you. Mm-hmm. You know, the one other thing... I'm too close. It's weird to say because usually when you have a lot of penalties, that's a result of bad coaching. But, I mean, Pete Carroll's a Hall of Fame coach, and um, he's keeping them together. So, But regardless, you can't pass with um, sloppy play. They have Jamal Adams coming back uh, next week for... Okay, right, so that should definitely help them. Man, oh, he's yeah. been out for a long time yeah, since yeah. he goes out since last week, week yeah, one last year. For forever, so you know. It's like yeah, week one last year, I think. Nice to see him actually get back on the field. Um, so even as a former Jet. Yeah, no, he was. He was. A beast. I, I, he I, was I'm a, sorry, I keep mentioning. I just have a, so he many opportunities. He no, he he was a best <laughs> with Jets, and I, you know, <laughs> I, I can't really. I, you know, probably they should have traded him, but he's also, you know, he also made an all pro team with the Seattle Seahawks in 2020. So, right. you know, definitely he's a guy who's, who's going to make an impact for sure. So, how about this one, gentlemen? We had the Arizona Cardinals defeat the Dallas Cowboys by a score of 28 to 16. And, um, Alex, were, did you call this upset? I sure did. Yes, you did. So tell us uh, how um, how you were feeling with this against the, I think they were 12 and a half point underdogs, and they won. And they won pretty handily with uh, Dak making horrible decisions. The Cardinals offense was just all over this Dallas defense without um, Tavon Diggs. And give Cardinals credit for a team that was just absolutely disrespected throughout the entire league. They have been in their three games there, against very tough couple, opponents. They're a couple of plays away from being three and up. Like legitimately, like they should have, they should have beat the Giants. They, they should have beat the yep. Commanders. Like they've been, they've been really competitive. Like they're, they're, they're going to win some games this year. Um, credit, credit for um to Jonathan Gannon, who everyone's been making fun of all the time, lackluster motivational speeches, or whatever. I mean, you get, you get together. Um, this guy Joshua Dobbs has been very good in, in the, you know, first three games. So you know, credit to him. He's good. He's He's definitely earned the right to be on an NFL roster for a long time. He should yeah. be their backup quarterback moving forward, Joshua Dobbs, because he's proven, you know, he could play well in, in you know, it's a spree game span. I'm excited to see them when they get back Kyler Murray. They're gonna be uh they're gonna be a fun team to watch. Not not gonna be a they're not gonna be a I don't think personally they're gonna be in the running for for uh for Caleb as much. I think the Bears. The Bears yeah, I, I think I think the Bears probably yeah. are the worst team, to be honest. And if the Jets Let's continue with with you know Zach Wilson could be, but you know I, I'm actually very pleasantly surprised about how good how about how competitive the uh, uh, Cardinals have been. Yeah, 
I, I thought this was the the perfect game for Dallas to show up ill prepared. Um, and yeah. I kind of call. I I don't have as many fears or concerns about Dallas uh, over the long term of the season. I still think they're going to be right around the third or fourth best team in in the NFC. Even um, without um, their injury issue. Correct. Yeah, I think I think they'll still make up for it and they'll fill in those gaps. Um, they may pick up someone at the trade deadline uh, later into the season as well. But um, I thought this was a perfect game for Arizona to make a statement to kind of save their season. It felt like a very prideful win on behalf of on, the, on behalf of Coach Gannon um, and kind of getting all that you know that camaraderie. Um, I still think that they're, they're a bad team. Um, I think that a lot of these bad teams don't know they're bad until later into the season. They over, they basically um, overperform at the beginning of the year and kind of give um, a different perception. And and a lot of that is 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 rightfully so. They're playing hard. They 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 like they like playing for their coach. And I think Joshua Dobbs inspires more than Kyler Murray because he's got something to play for. Um, Kyler with his contract, he just feels a little more gluttonous in that in that locker room. So I'm not necessarily sure that they're going to be better off in the long term per se with Kyler back. Now that doesn't mean that Joshua Dobbs is a better fit nor a better situation, but it just feels like that they're playing harder for him. Um, I think that again, like Hayden said, I don't think they're in the running to play for Caleb. Um, and the reason being is because the NFC is wide open, and I feel like that they don't they they feel like the gap between the bottom of the conference and the last playoff spot is less marginal than if it were in the AFC. And yeah, I think definitely that's a, that's a good take. I agree with that. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that that's an important thing to, um, when we, when we think about how um, these NFC teams orchestrate the rest of, the, um, of their roster, you know, in the context of the, over the course of the entire season, so I think that they'll keep a lot of com- uh, a lot of games uh, competitive. They'll probably make some mistakes because they're a young roster, but um, they're very exciting to see. And I thought this was like the, uh, basically the, the 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 easiest pick of the week to have an upset um, on Dallas' part. Yeah, look I mean, at that, like and you got it. Said, I don't know if the competitiveness is going to lead to wins, um, right. but they're going to be competitive. But I, I don't I don't think and they're close spreads. Like they're just not—they're not talented enough at, at the quarterback position and sure. other positions throughout their entire roster to win a ton of games. But I think they're going to be surprisingly competitive. I just don't think they're going to win. Yeah, yeah. Poor Josh like, Dobbs, but he at least has shown he's got a dog at him. At least no, he's—he's—he's he's, he's done well enough to have a spot on a roster and an on an NFL team without a question. He should be a backup. He's, he's miles better than what we have at quarterback right now. Jets. And if, uh, oh my God, he's miles better. And and if and if yeah. and if uh, Charlie Villanueva is ever due for a Halloween party, he can stand it. <laughs> like like the, Jets, the Jets win that game versus New England with Josh Dobbs. <laughs> Clearly, by the way, Hayden Rich Samini just released oh, a I report. Just saw that. I saw that. I saw just saw that. It's don't even get me started. It's, yeah, that R- Robert Sala is about to lose the locker room for his support with Zach well, we Wilson. That. We, knew that. we knew that was going to happen. We knew that. So, yeah. Again, I mean, you saw them fighting. Uh, you saw. You saw. Players fighting with coaches on the sideline and all that. I I don't have enough time. Let's let's talk about the other games that are going on. on. One in 17, calling it right now. Not bad, but (laughs) two in 16. They'll they'll win some games. Anyways, the Packers down 17 to nothing in the starting the second half. They defeat the Saints. 18 to 17. Jordan Love has the pressure and he pulls it off. 
Great win by them. A scary moment for a second with Derek Carr being hurt, but it looks like he will be week to week with an AC joint issue. So a very entertaining game. Probably we, the most competitive and entertaining game I thought throughout the weekend. And uh, shouts to Jordan. Love what they have there without Aaron Jones and Christian Watson too. Pretty solid stuff. And um you know, maybe the Packers got a quarterback in here, but shouts to the Saints too, despite not scoring in the second half, though, and we know why with the uh, with um with their injury issues. But um, they too are, are something to watch out for. Alvin Kamara comes back this week. Of uh, two very two teams that went up against each other, that I guess you wish this game was later in the season, because both of these teams are pretty good and have great futures ahead. Yeah, I mean, kind of like what you talked about. Um, you know, Jordan Love has been has been awesome. He he threw an absolute dart um, to like a, like a back shoulder off his heel that uh, Matt Flory even commented on. Like, what a throw that was! Um, he's been he's been great. Um, right now, probably in the NFC North, you could argue he's the best quarterback in the division. Um, I, I, I'm probably but the you could argue he's the best quarterback in the division. Kirk has been playing great. Um, so is um, so is um. So is Jared Goff, but you could argue that they're just you could argue that they're gonna they're almost just as good as the as the, the Lions. Lions are beatable. Yeah. Um well I mean I, I wanna give I wanna give praise for Green Bay coming back against adversity at home and winning winning a tough game. I think that that defense for New Orleans is real. And I thought that they just got a little gas towards the end of the game, but they pulled out, you know, a tough, ugly game at home, the low scoring game. And I think Jordan Love, you know, as the weeks go by, he's starting to impress me a little more. Um, that division, as we've always said, is wide open. And I think that it's very winnable for Green Bay. They look like they're very ahead of schedule. If thing, all things considered, um, they, uh, they pan out to continue a path forward and winning. But I'm, I'm a little disappointed in New Orleans because – um, it, it shouldn't have taken Derek Carr's injury to be able to close out that game. They should have had enough juice. Oh, one hundred percent. Seventeen nothing lead in the fourth. You got to close that game out, regardless. Of- hey, it's it's, an, it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable for a team that we were giving them premature praise for in a wide open division, similarly with the NFC South. And I think that you you have to bring that game home, even on the road. There's it's really no excuse. Um, Dennis Allen is a good enough coach to make that happen, and you can't, you can't, you can't clench up, clench up and play conservative in the second half. You need to keep, continue to keep taking your shot. <laughs> yeah, definitely not that early. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just such a, that is a ridiculous way to look at a game like that. We're only winning by like 17. I think the one team that's actually going to go after um, the. Uh, I think the Falcons are going to go after Kirk Cousins. If I'm being honest, the Falcons as I do, I do because for cause next season or no for this season, really Desmond are just not doing anything, and I feel like at two and one they feel like that division's wide open. You get Kirk Cousins, you're the best team in the division. So I, I actually think they're going to go after Kirk Cousins. That's a good transition talking about the Lions defeating the Falcons by score 20 to six. You know the running backs team can't do everything, and um, they weren't able to score. But um, shouts to Jared Goff and um, looks like this um, this tight end Laporta, Laporta, Sam Laporta, Laporta Sam Laporta, yeah, Sam Laporta, yeah, leading tight ends in receptions, uh, in receptions and receiving yards. Jared Goff got a nice dump off option right here, especially after Hawkinson left. So um, 
you know, good stuff there. But Hayden, you think um, changes are coming in the future for Atlanta, and you think they're a quarterback away? If they don't start get going at passing on Atlanta, they're going to be toast because they're their running game can't do everything. They have to have a very specific formula to to, to win a game, which is very when you have to have a very specific formula to win a game, and you don't have that formula, it's very very hard to pivot from that. Like like for example, like you know, like there are teams that are run first and then they have to pass first, and it usually doesn't work. Okay, I mean. When you have a guy like Desmond Ritter, who's right now averaging 155 passing yards a game, like that's just not good enough. And like they've won, they've won two games because their defense has played well and because their running game went off. Like when you have teams that are going to stack the run, like I don't, I personally do not believe Desmond Ritter is that guy that can really expose a team's secondary or, or really throw it down the field a lot. I just, I don't. And like you know, in a division like the NFC South where it's wide open, and you know, I do think they're a quarterback away. Because they have some good pieces, they have Bijan Robinson, they have uh, Tyler Algier, they have Kyle Pitts. Um, they have they have a lot of great pieces there. Like I, I think you have to go grab a quarterback if if he's not going to show more than what he's showing right now at, at this point. Desmond Ritter, I, like he is a third round pick. Desmond Ritter, it's not like you drafted this guy number two overall. Like unfortunately, like the Jets did, so we're like we're like stuck with him. Like you're not you're not stuck with Desmond Ritter. Like you can you can move on, have him be the backup quarterback. Like you could do different things with Desmond Ritter. Like he's he's on a shorter lease, in my opinion, than than these other quarterbacks. Um, but like, you know, if if you're looking at it, but also from from another perspective, if if you're looking at it, like you got New Orleans who's going to be playing with a backup quarterback in James Winston, and then you got Tampa Bay who's going to be playing with Baker Mayfield. So it's like Desmond Ritter, like a thousand times worse than any of those quarterbacks, probably not. With that being said, if you want to have a real advantage and, and really feel like you could take the division uh, pretty handily, you go after Kirk Cousins or you go after a quarterback that you feel like can get you over the top. I'm not saying, like you know, just I I think they need I I think they should be in the market for Kirk Cousins. That's that's just me. Um, you know, it's very like I said, it's very hard to win with a very with a very specific formula, and that formula doesn't work. Like it's hard, it's it's really hard to pivot off that. You heard it here first, and I will respect your wishes, Hayden. No more Jets talk for the rest of the day. But, you know, um, that would just be – I can only just imagine the reaction if he went to Atlanta. Uh, I love football. With Detroit, with Detroit, conversely, they took care of business at home. They beat a young team. Um, you know, Dan Campbell and that team looked pretty good. How do we feel about their chances heading into Thursday a little bit? Um, it like I said, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a really good game actually. Like, like I think the most complete team in the division is uh is Detroit. Like you can't argue Detroit probably has the best roster on paper out of out of yeah. any of the division. That's that's true. Um, I do think what what's a concern with Detroit is I think they have to get the run game going a little bit more. Um, yeah. they haven't been able to run the ball as effectively as 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 I think people anticipated. That's an area in which I think they're gonna try to get it going a little bit more versus Green Bay. Um, so. That's that's one area, you know. Jameer Gibbs, Jim, I mean, Jameer Gibbs went seventeen of eighty, so that's, I mean, that's 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 pretty effective. Like they've been able to run the ball like a little bit, but I think they got to keep going. They got to keep going with that and keep utilizing Jameer Gibbs because he's he's uh he's a dynamic playmaker. But you know, he has one hundred and thirty nine yards through three games. I mean, it's not you know on, on thirty one carries, it's about four and a half yards. It's about like four and a half yards of carry. It's not like f- fantastic, 
So, you know, but so I think they got to get going a little bit on that side of the ball, but you know, there will, there'll be days in which Jameer Gibbs rushes for a hundred. He's, he's, he's that type of back and he's a rookie too. So I'll give him a little bit of time. It wasn't pretty in San Francisco on Thursday night for the New York football giants. Giants looked really bad on defense once again. They give up 30 points, 101 points given up by the New York Giants defense in the first three games. What the fuck? Including that, missing tackles all over the point, making Debo Samuel look invincible. And I mean, he is, but... um, it was just, it was, um, I don't, how do these players not tackle like that? Um, 49ers offense is a problem as per usual. There's really not much else to add with them. Even without Brandon Ayuk, um, Brock Purdy is composure. He clearly is an NFL quarterback and, um, you know, 49ers just keep 49ers and Christian McCaffrey in it to win it as well. Um, but the giants should have legitimate concerns now as the giants fan in this. And, um, again, no protection for Daniel Jones leads to him getting eaten up. So, um, I mean, it wasn't as bad as the score represents, but the Giants clearly need to make some adjustments. It was a very big game on Monday night, which I'm really nervous about. I'm I'm really nervous about, especially in prime time. Daniel Jones is what one in twelve in prime time, and a Seahawks team that is pretty good and had them and defeated them last year. Not good let, uh, blue. I, mean, I have some thoughts, but I'm going to let Alex take this one because I want him to get some time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 our only baseline expectation was with this San Francisco game was can they keep this game close? And unfortunately, they didn't. Um, I thought that I was going to get a little more juice out of Daniel Jones, but we knew that things were going to be kind of one-dimensional on the offensive side of the ball with – Saquon questionable and being out of the lineup. Yeah, he's their off the whole offense. Clearly, they that's right. what that game represented. Yeah, you can't even keep San Francisco's uh, defense honest if you're one dimensional on offense. Um, my my fear is that moving through the season, um, I think that this kind of one trick formula is going to be more exposed because it's going to be more pressure put upon Daniel Jones to overperform and overexert himself. Um, I don't think he can put on the Jets and. and roll out and, and create an offense out of thin air. I think he's more of a game manager, as we know. Um, but, I mean, San Francisco did what they needed to do at home. They held, they had hell served. Um, they took care of business. I'm, I'm very impressed with Brock Purdy. Um, you know, again, I have the same similar expectational timeline with him as I do with Geno Smith. I need to see two years of tape to really give him the bag. But, um, I mean, they had every weapon in the book, and I thought they just had um, total domination from the beginning of the game. Hell served. Yep. Top Tennessee team for a reason. And one of the things that Hayden pointed out and the Giants did not facilitate was trying to throw the ball on those on the uh, secondary I mean, this guy. We have Jalen Hyatt, who essentially was the biggest receiver in the in the comeback against Arizona, getting less than ten snaps. What? Oh, what's going on? I, I don't get. I I'm, I know that they they played much tougher opponents, but I'm just confused why a team that's relatively the same as last year and upgraded a little bit, especially offensively, are having a hard time. But, um. Those defenses are the the defense is an issue right now, and and then you're going up against a team with the strong running back committees, big weapons, and um, like I said, 101 points in three games. 
I mean, I'll talk a little bit about the Giants. Like, in my opinion, their roster is flawed. Um, they just don't have, in my opinion, as, as good of a roster as, as the elite. Like, even like, I mean, I know Dallas had, had a bad week this week, but I, I don't think they have as good of a roster as Dallas, Philly, or, or San Fran. They're just not quite on that level yet. Like, they're not. Um, and they don't have the element of surprise this year like they had last year. Um, last year was a feel good story. They kind of caught team by surprise because no one was really expecting after them. This year, at least the teams are going to be prepared for that. Uh, maybe this, this say if they brought back the same roster from a lot of the same roster, that team's going to be able to game plan for them a little bit more. Um, I mean, for me personally, the Giants, like, they're going to be in the playoff hunt for the NFC because the NFC, in my opinion, is terrible. <laughs> um, after the top three or four teams, can you guys agree that the, the NFC is pretty, is, is kind of crappy after like the first three or four teams? Like, yes, they're pretty lousy. Nobody has five, stepped six, up or leveled up. They're, they're like four, five, six, and seven. I feel like a lot of it is going to be like, <laughs> you know, I feel like can be is going to be up in the air. So they're going to be, they'll be in it. They'll, they're not that much worse than, than any of the other teams competing, like Detroit, like Tampa, like Seattle, the Rams. Like they're, they're really like around the same level as those teams. So like they could, they're going to compete for a playoff spot, definitely. Um, yeah. Like you know, I don't really see any of these teams really being that much, that that much better. If I'm, if I'm being truthful, so they're, they're going to be right around. They're going to be right in the mix, but like you're going to see when they play these elite teams, like they just can't compete. Like they don't have they don't have the roster, and like I, I even think versus Seattle, they're going to have a hard time. Um, wouldn't shock, like I said, wouldn't shock me if they beat Seattle. Like an all worldly team, like they they should be competitive with Seattle. From being truthful. But you know, and it would they should they, they should they should it wouldn't surprise me if they won that game. Um, but that being said, like they're just not quite at the level of the NFC elite. Yeah, they're they're not there yet. They have to they have to do a lot of upgrades on the off, the offensive line. They have to do upgrades. I mean, the receiving position still a concern, um, even though they have one Bill Robinson and Jimmy Pyatt, and they they, they spent all of season talking about the gun really and some big offensive that's not, not even saying it's close, but in the offseason, he's been kind of a disappointment. So, I mean, but we'll see. They're going to have to really address that defense, though, because the defense has been just brutal. I mean, really, really bad. I think even you agree with that, Matt. Um, the defense has been, been terrible. Yeah, like I said, can't tackle for shit and um, getting scored on like it's nothing. Mm. <laughs> So, and then I, you know, I'm in, and again, this is a me thing, but people, and I've said I like Daniel Jones, and I was asking for making my one of my clips of that. I'm a big, big Daniel Jones fan, and it, it's not a problem. Like, I'm not upset about it, but man, people really text me about Daniel Jones as if I'm his father or something, complaining about him. And he's not on Justin Fields and Zach Wilson level. And he is, and I really think if he was protected more, he would shock a lot of people, especially in the game management aspect, as Alex alluded to. And he does have an arm and he can't show moments of accuracy, but he can't when he's always running for his life. Yeah. He has a big arm. I'll say that. So the man's big presence and, um, he's mobile too. He's mobile too. I just hope, I hope one day, (laughs) because it's not anytime soon that he's, Fairly protected. We have him at least three more seasons, and he can show his potential. 
that's what I have to say there. And then Monday, the two Monday night games is quickly head into it before we get our picks. The Eagles defeated the Buccaneers by a score of 25-11. Fun fact, that was a score of Gami, if you didn't know. That never happened in the NFL. So the Eagles dominate on both offense and defense as they get the big win over Tampa. These Georgia Bulldog Eagles um, look like they're transitioning well on the defensive side, especially Jalen Carter. And, um, you know, the Bucs after a 2-0 start, Racking against weaker teams, uh, had some humble pie this week, and uh, Baker Mayfield showed some frustration there. Again, I think um, Eagles are being the Eagles in 2023, right? And then the Bucks um, maybe aren't as good as we thought after the first three weeks. That is, I mean, we 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 knew coming into them, they didn't really have a lot of potential. But um, again, this is what happens when you play the best of the best. Yeah, no, the, the Eagles are, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do, and they're supposed to win a ton of games. I mean, it hasn't been as pretty as maybe people would have anticipated. But that being said, Jalen Hurts is still a really good quarterback. They still have A.J. Brown, they still have Devontae Smith. Um, DeAndre Swift looks like a bat out of hell coming down the field. He's been slender. He lost a ton of weight, DeAndre Swift. Oh, my God. I mean, like the last couple of years. He looks oh, yeah. Crazy. I mean, he's been he's been really good, DeAndre Swift. Um. And Kenneth Gainwell starting to pick up some some momentum and steam. So, like I said, they're gonna be they're gonna be just fine. They're they're gonna be one of the top two two or three teams in the in the, in the NFC. If not if not if not number one, unless unless San Francisco has something to say about that. Yeah. So, um. I mean, yeah, no, definitely. You you know, credit to the Eagles. They won a game. They probably should have won. Um, I don't really think it says anything really that bad about the Bucs. Um, the Bucs just, like you said, we know the Bucs aren't elite. Um, I think they've been surprisingly good through the first three weeks, two and one. You can't really fault them. Um, just give them give them some credit for hanging tough with Philly. Um, but they're not they're not an Eagles level, and you know, right now. But you know, well, the offense that offense isn't you know it can't can't compete with a lot of these high powered uh, NFC okay. issues. Yeah. I agree with you on that. I, I I do feel like Baker Mayfield, the offense has been uh, better than people would have thought. To be honest with you, through the first three weeks, you, you, we can, we can even agree with you. We I think you could agree with me that you know. Um, yeah, but that that's more of a, a bigotry of low expectations. I think he was kind of coming in as the journeyman with on his last leg, and I think that having him take over in the in the absence of Brady, no one really expects much. So I think that. If you're if you're going to make the claim that they are the second best team in the NFC South or a possible contender for the top spot, you got to put up more than 11 points, even against Philly. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I mean, you could also say like you know Jacksonville. You know the game last week versus Kansas City. It was 17-9 games. So it's like certain games. You know certain teams defensively play very good in certain games. Like you, you see it all the time. Like you would think that oh you know this team's going to put up 30 points and then you see at the end of the stat line it's like you know 17-16 game. Like that does happen in the NFL from time to time. Not saying you're wrong. Like you, you're right. I I agree. It should put up more than eleven points. Correct. But you know that being said, you see you see these defenses that have these certain games. Like you know, it just really depends. Like, did we, did anyone think that the, the Chiefs Jags game would be a seventeen nine game? Like, did anyone think that you know Jacksonville only put nine per points versus Kansas City, or Kansas City only put up seventeen points versus versus Jacksonville? Like you know, it shouldn't happen, of course, but it does. I, I'm 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 excited to see uh, the October 22nd game when Miami goes to Philly. That'll be very interesting. Yeah, so I'm I'm interested in that as well. All right, the final game to discuss 
for week three is the Cincinnati Bengals at home defeat the Los Angeles Rams by scoring 19 to 16. You know, it seems like the Rams didn't really put any offense until the fourth quarter, but um, Burrow shakes off his calf injury. They get their first win of the season, and the Bengals are on their way to try to get back to 500 and back into a groove again. But um, the Rams, again, a lot of people looking feel like they were really good, and then they played a legitimate team and struggled. So uh, what do you guys think? Um, well, they, they, have, they have a lot of room to improve still. They don't, they don't look nearly what they used to be like last year. Um, I'm very, still very concerned about Burrow in this offense. I think they have a lot, um, a lot more to be left to be desired. Um, they're still in last place. So it's going to be, it's going to be uh, definitely a progression. It felt like this game, even when, what, what, what gravely concerns me the most is that I think they knew everybody else knew that, this was their game to save their season. Even early on, they needed to make a statement and they kind of went out with a whimper instead of a bang. And that really concerns me because if this was your game to win at home with the crowd behind you and all the inertia and the energy in your favor, they should have been gangbusters and they barely squeaked out a win with it, with it, with a struggling uh, limited offense with the Rams. And so my, my concern is that, they need to slowly, incrementally find ways to win and improve this uh, style of offense because they don't look anywhere close to where they were last year. And if I'm going to stand by my pick as them being the representatives of the AFC this year, um, I don't like what I see so far. I mean, they got to let Joe Burrow get healthy. He's clearly not healthy. Of course. Like, yeah, he's, he's not, I mean, I. it's tough to say. I don't think they should put him on – Injured reserve, I don't, but I could see the rationale. Like you don't want to get him hurt any further, and he is your, he is your prized guy. Like they do have a, they do have a capable backup quarterback. Um, so you know, not not you know, not that any team wants to be in that situation, but their their backup quarterback actually is like pretty decent. And if you're playing, and if you're playing Tennessee, like I, I actually think they could win a game. They could definitely beat Tennessee with a backup quarterback if they wanted to sit out Joe Burrow this week, let his leg heal. I don't think it would necessarily be the, the worst idea, per se. Um, you know, if you want to let his calf heal, because he's he's definitely he's definitely battling through it. Um, you could see his gimpy. You know, you could see he's just not. He's just. Not, we know what happens if you don't take care of that calf. Yeah, he's just. Uh, he's not the player. I'm sorry, am I gonna say it? Yes, the Jets happened to that. Okay, sorry. You know that, but um. Yeah, they have a capable backup backup quarterback. Actually, if they wanted to, to play the angle and run the the ball, play defense, like they could stop Tennessee. Yeah, Joe Mixon um, looked so good it, last just night. A, just an idea I, I posed out there. You know, versus versus uh, versus the Rams, you don't want to start off three zero, so there's a higher they all went three zero, so there's a higher sense of urgency. Whereas versus Tennessee, maybe there isn't as much. But that being said, you can't really underestimate any team. So because any every every team is. It's not a guaranteed win in the NFL because every team is, is. This is not like a. This is not like Alabama playing Chattanooga. This is like every team is NFL level for a reason. So, um, you know, and I think their receivers also have to make some bigger plays. Um, I'm not really happy with. Like I said, I'm not completely happy with what I've seen from Cincinnati. But that being said, I, I think they're going to pick it up. They, they they're usually a team that starts off slow. Look at that. Look at that. So let's get into our week four picks, everybody. Okay, here we go. 
Week four starts off on Thursday night. The Detroit Lions are going to the Green Bay Packers. Detroit opening at minus one and a half. What do we say right here? Um, I'm going to take Detroit in this game. I'm going to take Detroit with the, the spread and the money on. I'm giving the wow. points for Detroit as well. I think they're going to get a big victory on the road against the Packers like they did last season at the end of the year. Yeah, I actually have um, Detroit winning by four. I think it's going to be um, a game of possessions coming down to the wire. It's going to be somewhere around a, um, a, a, a low-scoring game, but I have full confidence that Dan Campbell's going to be ready for this game. Yeah, me too. Pretty, pretty confident in that. And um, we're going to go to the London series. It's that time of the year. 9.30 a.m. in the East Coast. If you want to watch this game, the Atlanta Falcons are playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville's opening at three points to start their London series. So um, give me... Atlanta on this one. I'm going to say that Desmond Ritter figures it out, and the running back by committee runs over that that Jacksonville defense, and they are going to get the win and the uh, the points. I'll take Jacksonville with the, the points. I'm going to go Jacksonville 34-23 over, over Atlanta. Um, I got Jacksonville winning too. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game similarly, and um, I think this is this is actually like a must-win game for them. Very must-win. Okay, the Miami Dolphins are playing the Buffalo Bills at Buffalo. Minus two and a half is the spread, and it's going towards the Buffalo Bills. I'm going with the upset. Give me Miami on this one. I think the momentum they have against a team that may still be figuring it out. Now, I know they got two dominant wins against much inferior opponents. They had a hard time against a stellar defense in the Jets. And Miami, though they're not on the Jets level defensively, I do think they will give them a run for their money. Give me Miami with the upset on this, continuing their undefeated season. Uh, I'm going to go Buffalo in this game, 34-33. Oh, that's, that's I actually think surprisingly I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a um I'm gonna take uh Buffalo in a high scoring game over, over Miami. I think Miami can't win every high scoring game, so I think they're gonna have to lose they're gonna have to lose some and uh Buff- Buffalo's pretty good. I still think Buffalo's a really good team, so um Buffalo has actually played well versus Miami in the past too, so Okay. Well, I um I conversely have a tight game as well, but I actually it's um I actually actually expect Miami to pull this one out. I think that the the weather conditions are in their favor. It's early in the year. It's not going to be like a you know a winter wonderland. I think um they're, they're on a hot streak right now. They have everything clicking early on in the season, and I think that if Buffalo gets their number, it's not going to be till later in the year where um we see teams a little more complete, a little more full picture, but um, I have full confidence that um, the Dolphins are at this juncture the better team right now. 
In the battle of the pathetics, the 0-3 Denver Broncos are going to Chicago to play the 0-3 Chicago Bears. Denver's opening at minus three and a half. And um and uh give me Denver on this one. They are lucky to play in a team that is absolutely a mess all over the place. And in a battle of the messes, I think um Denver will uh, get their first one of the year. Battle of the turds, baby. Yeah, I think this could be like a 13-10 game. This is a uh, dog shit. <laughs> I think I think it's going to be more points than that game, like a 23-20 game. I, I think they're going to – I think Denver's going to win this one on the last second field goal, but I think it's going to be a little <laughs> closer than people think. And like Over-under is 46. This is, this, is a, this, is a, this is a pick em game for me. Like there's no, you know – you know, there's you know no one who I really want to want to. No, when we when we when we, but when the we fact that Denver, the fact that Denver gets the Bears and the Jets with Zach Wilson after starting zero three is just a gift from God. Like Sean Payton should literally be like, when we touching 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 himself after that. Well, that when we when we lock people up in Guantanamo Bay, do we sit them down in front of a TV screen and make them watch this game? Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, this, is, this is this is the worst game, and then and then you get subjected to the Jets Broncos next week. Which is, <laughs> you could have Zach Wilson versus the Broncos. God help us! But I mean, I think I think Denver's going to win this game because they've been a quarterback. All right, we have the Baltimore Ravens going up against the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland is opening at minus two and a half. Pretty competitive game here, I would think. I think Cleveland's going to get this uh, home victory. And um, they're going uh, to get the points there. Baltimore's opening is favorite. No, Cleveland is actually at minus two and a half. At least according to uh, Caesars here. Um, I'm going to surprise you guys. I'm actually taking Baltimore here. Um, the, reason <laughs> being, the reason being is because this is a must-win game for them in the early stretch of the season. And I think that they need to make a statement with a team that clearly has the best of this division right now. Um, I think Cleveland's hot. I think the Ravens have a lot to prove right now. And um, if Lamar Jackson is going to be worth the money that he allows, that he alleges to be, um, he's got to outplay Deshaun Watson just straight up. There's just no, there's no issues about it because when you really look at it, they actually are deficient in the same positions. They both have their top running backs out. And they both have some stout defensive players that can really make plays. But it's going to come down to who has the better quarterback. And I just think for one game, I think Lamar can do that. Who's on, who's home for the game? Is it um, um, Cleveland's home? Cleveland's home. Um, I actually am going to take the – I'm going to take the Ravens this game. Um, Baltimore's prisoners has historically actually played pretty good in Cleveland. So um, I guess we'll take – I'll take – I'll take the Ravens in this game, not with a lot of confidence. I, I don't really have a lot of confidence in this game. I'm gonna go like a, I'll go like 2018 Ravens. 2018 Ravens. But, okay. I, mean, I I I would not be surprised at all if Cleveland won this game. Like like I said, right now I think Cleveland's the better team actually. But yeah. I think, like you said, I think this is a perfect game for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Season. All right, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers going up against the Houston Texans. Pittsburgh's opening at minus three points on the road. What's happening here? Give me oh, Houston really? on this one. Houston in this game too. I'm taking Houston. Yeah. I think CJ Stroud is playing great. Um, I I don't think like Pittsburgh's been overly impressive, 
Like I think CJ Stroud's gonna, gonna play have a pretty good game and like give me give me the Houston Texans winning this game. They're not gonna put up thirty seven points. They're not gonna do that. Um, give me Houston in this game. Twenty six to twenty one. I actually um I have Pittsburgh winning this game because I don't trust Houston at home at a one o'clock start. Um, I think that's going to be definitely have a deleterious effect on their preparation. And um, Pittsburgh, I mean, say what we want. They, they are hot right now. Um, I think Texans, it was more of an anomaly that they have Jacksonville's number, um, kind of like Hayden alluded to. So um, I have Pittsburgh winning a tight, uh, low-scoring game on the road. I think just CJ Stroud's confidence is just going to keep building. And like, I, oh, I agree. I agree. I think he's going to keep like building upon these games like he had versus, um, versus, um, versus Jacksonville. So I think you're going to see a great performance out of him. Like he's, he's been really good. Like I, I've been very, very impressed by CJ Stroud. He's completing 65% of his passes. Um, hasn't thrown a pick yet. I think that's going to change versus Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's going to intercept him. I think Joey Porter Jr. Or one of those guys, one of the guys in the secondary is going to get a pick for him. But um, I think CJ Stroud's going to make enough plays to actually win the, win the game. And I think they're going to get the running game going with Damian Pierce. All right. In another battle of the mid, we have the 0-3 Minnesota Vikings going on the road to play the 0-3 Carolina Panthers. Minnesota opening at minus 3.5. Give me Minnesota, their first win of the year is going to come off the heels of this game. And um, that's what's going to happen. Minnesota, get the points. And I'm taking Minnesota too. Um, it's just one thing I'll say about Minnesota. It's shocking that they went like 11 and 1 in one score games last year. Now they're 0 and 3 in one score games this year. So Always when, it, when, it, when a team wins all those games in a one score game, usually you mean it's like a fluke. That's why they got, you know, yeah. lost to the Giants. So. Probably a regression should have been predicted. But, um, yeah, no, give me the Vikings in this game. But I think it's also just hinging on if Bryce Young plays or not. If Bryce Young plays, I think the, I think the Panthers could could very well win this game. Because um, I think Bryce Young's going to have one of his signature games early on. Um, but give me the uh, – give me the um, give me the Vikings in this game. I'll, I'll take the Vikings like 31-24. All right. There's no way. Carolina is putting up 24 points again. You don't think they're putting up 24? Really? They, they put up 20 this week, didn't they? Or- yeah. Uh, I I just I see I see this closer to like a like a 20 I don't know like a 27 20 game or so. Um, I do agree that the Vikings this is must win. Um, Panthers as well, but I don't expect anything out of them coming into the season. They're a brand new team. They're they're all young. Um, but. It, I, I would give Carolina the points. I think that it's too too close for for comfort. Um, I think Vikings. It, it's a must win game. So, um, yeah, I'll take I'll take Minnesota. So you're gonna take Minnesota with the with the money line, and then you're gonna take the Carolina with the points. Okay, that's fair. Yep, that's fair. We have the Los Angeles Rams going to Indy this week to play the Colts in the opening at minus one and a half. Give me the Rams on this one. I think they can bounce back after a tough loss against Cincy. Um, they'll stay on the East Coast and um, they're going to ride into the sunset with a victory. 
Yeah, it's not a lot of not a lot of travel. Normally, I would pick against. I would advise against West Coast teams staying east or going east. But not a lot of travel here. You're still playing indoors, warm weather. Um, I would take the Rams as well to bounce back. Um, yeah, I got the Rams winning in this game too. Um, I'll take the Rams. I'll take the Rams. Like, is it a tough one to pick? Um, yeah, it's gonna be a tough one to pick. Give me the Rams. Give me the Rams twenty four twenty one over the Colts. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to New Orleans. New Orleans opening at minus three. Give me New Orleans in the dome. They're going to get this victory and the points. Um, yeah, this is going to be a, uh, a revenge game for James Winston, actually. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who, by the way, he's still... He still has the most passing yards, I want to say, ever for the Tampa Buccaneers franchise, just in case anyone didn't know that. That's it. Um, that's not the same. <laughs> he does have the most passing yards ever in the history of the franchise, which you know should 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 be noted. Like that is a, that's a pretty you know big big uh it's a pretty big statistic to have for an NFL team. But um yeah, we're gonna go. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna take the uh, I'm gonna take Tampa in this game. Um, what's the spread, Matt? The it's spread is minus three. Minus three, three. Minus three for New Orleans. Yeah, three even. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Tampa in this game, like 28-20. I think Tampa's going to win this game by eight points. Surprising. I know people are going to be like, wow, you're, you're crazy, but... Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Give me Tampa. No, I have, Tampa, no, I have, I have Tampa bouncing back, too. Um, I think the Saints... Um, they they've had a little shock to the system. I, I think they're they're gonna they're gonna be in a little disarray right now with the uh, with the roster change at the helm. Um, I, I have yet to see. I'm not sure how Dennis Allen will be able to command this offense um, moving forward. It's going to be very interesting. But Tampa's always played them tough, regardless of um, who's sitting at the helm. So I think Tampa's going to bounce back, and um, I have it somewhere around a 27-24 victory. Um, All right. And, uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, we'll say um, for me personally, like in this game, I think James is actually going to play well because James actually has been playing pretty well when he's been, when he's been in. So we yeah. have the Washington Commanders going up against the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are home minus eight. Even the deep spread, I think the Eagles can cover that and get the victory. Give me the Eagles and the points. Yeah, give me the Eagles in this game, 34 to 20. Um, I have the Eagles winning, but I have um, taken the money line. I think that command, I never uh, rule out a team that got embarrassed the week prior. Um, this is a very emotional divisional rival matchup. Um, I expect the commanders to keep it close, even with an Eagles team. Um, it's just going to be a matter of um, mitigating the run, which is a tall task. But I have the Eagles winning, squeaking by 27-23. Yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, I, I can understand where Alex is coming from. I'm, I'm actually taking the Eagles with the spread in the points. Um, but I'm with the spread in the money line. I'm, I'm still taking Philly. But that being said, the, the Red, not the Reds, the Commanders have played the Eagles very well in the past. Um, yeah. They've it's a tough divisional game, so I would I wouldn't be surprised if we get close game. The Cincinnati Bengals are going up against the Tennessee Titans since the opening at minus two and a half. Give me Cincy on this and the points. Uh, 
Yeah, 100%. I, I actually see this as a wider margin of victory. I, I see this as like... Definite lock. Yeah, I think it's a lock as well. Um, even going to Tennessee, uh, which they are, I just think that um, they're they're starting to they're starting to click, and they just need to p- keep piecing it together. I think Titans are in disarray right now. Yeah, I'm taking uh, give me give me Cincinnati uh, with the spread and the points. All right, money line. So, yeah. For this Vegas game, and by the way, somebody sent me a story about her. Uh, a Raiders fan for over 30 years said he's done watching the Raiders. Bye. Alex, is that you? Bye. Because they they've had a mental health and heartache because of his mental health and heartache. He wrote in a letter because this has taken not only a toll. This not has this has taken not only my time and money following this franchise, but has also taken my mental health. Having a team who you've rooted for your whole life, reward you with absolutely nothing but heartache is not something I want to keep doing. I mean, that that applies to everybody. They've been as bad as, they've been worse than the Jets since 2002. That's my whole existence as a fucking fan. (laughs) Yeah, no, they've been, they've been brutal. Yeah. The Raiders. They just don't get as much headlines because they don't play in New York. I can't take it anymore. Um, no, especially, especially in San Diego, they're going to, they're going to have a tough time. Um, yes. And it's minus five and a half, by the way, against the car, uh, the chargers and the chargers are favorited. Oh yeah. they will be favored in this game. But I mean, that being said, like the chargers are the chargers. They'll, they'll find a way to knowing the chargers. They'll somehow find a way to lose to the U.S. Like the, they, they will. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually going to so, take like, I, Vegas and the points on this one. I'm, I'm going to take. Gosh, I you can never trust the Chargers. You you can't ever trust them. Like losing to Miami, I can understand that. So to be honest with you, that game, like that game, I could understand. The, the one versus Tennessee is just like I don't know how they lost that game, but I'm gonna be stupid again, and I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take LA with the, the spread and with the money line, which is dumb. I shouldn't. I can't ever be confident taking. Because you never know what you're gonna get, but yeah, you're gonna regret that one. We'll just, we'll, I don't know. We'll, we'll, for this week, I'll, I'll take the Chargers, but it wouldn't shock me at all if they lost the game because of the Chargers. So I would, I would, I would, um, I would take the Chargers, but I'm gonna eat the points. I think, um, they're, I think my team will keep it tight, um, but ultimately we'll just outfail uh, the Chargers. New England is going to Dallas 425 in Jerry World. Dallas opening at minus seven. Ooh. I'm thinking this is a tough one. I'm taking Dallas. Dallas to Dallas money line. I'm taking New England with the points. Yeah, I think we're gonna go with uh, Hayden on this one. I'm taking I'm taking Dallas to win outright, but uh, they're not covering that seven. That's high. Uh, I think this is gonna be a, a low scoring game. Yes, especially Big Bill on that defense, leading that defense. Okay, this is interesting. The Arizona Cardinals are going to San Francisco. San Francisco is opening at minus 14. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, give me – San Francisco will win this game, but give me the points on Arizona, definitely. Yeah, San Francisco is going to win this game, but give me the points on Arizona, 100%. Oh, yeah. No, we're all in lockstep on that. 100%. 100%. Like, it, you'd be irresponsible to not take Arizona with the points the way they played. Especially with a like, It's hard to beat a team by 14 in the NFL. Like, it's, it's actually kind of hard. Yeah. 
All right. I don't mean to. This is the last time we'll do it this week, Hayden. But I have to mention that the Jets are playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City is going to MetLife Stadium. You said you will be there Sunday night. Yes. Kansas City opening at minus nine and a half. Oh, God. Um, I mean, I, I think this game is going to be closer than what the score will indicate. Like, I think the Jets will lose this game on 27 13. So I guess by that margin, you take the Chiefs with the money line. And the money line and the, and the spread. Um, but that being said, I think this is going to be a close game until the fourth quarter because I think the Jets' defense will hang tight versus, versus Kansas City. Like, the, it will be like 20 to 10 in the fourth, or, you know, like something will happen where the Jets will keep it close to about the fourth quarter and then, then Kansas City will pull away. So that's why I'm taking, that's why I'm, I'm it's going to be closer than what the score indicates this game. That's what I mean to say. But I would, I'm still probably, I think you should take the Kansas City with the, the points and, and the spread. I expect the low scoring affair. I think um, what was it? Nine and a half. Nine and a half seems a little, a little much. Um, just yeah, nine and a half is not much. It's it's about right. But no, I mean it, it seems it seems just on paper, but I don't see it playing out that way on a Sunday night game. Um, I think this defense is good enough to keep this uh, game competitive. It could uh, be like a twenty to fourteen game. Definitely, it could be like it, it feels. It feels like a twenty to fourteen game. I could, I could see something like that. I mean, like the Jets yeah. defense is gonna is gonna play well. Yeah, After yeah. Like on Sunday night, like they're not gonna want to get embarrassed. Give the Chiefs yeah. the win, but uh, the spread will be closed by the Jets miraculously. <laughs> okay. So Monday night will be the Seattle Seahawks playing the New York football Giants. The Giants are opening at minus one and a half. Give me the Giants with this win in points. This game over Seattle? That's right. Oh, because they're playing at home. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, West Coast team going East Coast? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I could see that. Um, but, on Monday, but on a Monday, it doesn't really count. I don't think I can see why you'd say that, but um yeah, give me still. the um give me in this game, give me the Giants with the the spread and, and the uh the, the money line. Definitely well, I'm, gonna, win. I'm picking Seattle outright. Uh, you probably think, should pick Seattle based on who the rosters are. But and I'm Daniel Jones' prime time game history. Because I think they're gonna get an early win at home to get to two and two. They're playing on Monday night, like Daniel Jones, you paid him all this money. I think he's gonna show why he's He's that dude, but you could also argue the same thing for Geno Smith too, that they just gave Geno Smith the bag and you know, he wants to prove it too. So it, it depends. I think this game is more important for Daniel Jones than it is for Geno Smith. A good game is definitely on the line here. In a way. All right, gentlemen, that will wrap up week three. Now let's look ahead to week four. We'll see you in a week to see how this all unfolds. See you tomorrow with college football, everybody. See ya. Bye, Alex. Goodbye, Hayden. Good show. Good show. See y'all. As per usual, Hayden and Alex, you guys did well as well. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Pod. We're on 
TikTok at Productive Conversations and Facebook at Productive Conversations. So we are back at it tomorrow talking about college football and focusing on a week four in the college football season. We saw Clemson missing a critical field goal against Florida State. Colorado suffers their first loss. Notre Dame and Ohio State had a legitimate thriller that ended with the Buckeyes taking it. And we will look ahead to week five and see where this is all unfolding as we are about to get into the month of October. So the fall is here. It is long sleeve season. Soon get the Tims out. I always say put get the Tims out October 1st. And yeah, I'm going to go to the Big E this weekend. So see you there. Baseball technically ends its regular season this weekend, but who cares? But I mean, I watch October baseball. That's a tradition, but no Yankees and no Mets. And believe me, we will do a special podcast in October to talk about what a freaking embarrassment those two franchises were and we will um get in depth with that at a later time but yeah week four the nfl is just upon us i hope everybody is going to enjoy all the games and then um before you know it we will be talking about what happened this weekend a week from today so good stuff ahead we will talk with the college crew tomorrow and i just hope you all have a wonderful wednesday thank you to hayden nather alex ranelio their contributions to the show today Thank you to Alex DeJesus, a.k.a. Dolo Ren, for what he does behind the scenes. And I want to thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for always supporting us no matter what. And we love each and every single one of you. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. And I'll see you tomorrow. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. All right, see you then. Peace. All she needed was some...